Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. Hey, folks, you've been with me through the whole process of making this thing happen. You know the ups and downs of creating the thing. Some of you came to see it in different cities throughout the world and country. But this Saturday, February 11th, at 10 p.m. on HBO, my special from Bleak to Dark premieres. All the work, all the hours, all that condensing, all that road time, all comes together this Saturday, February 11th, at 10 p.m. on HBO and on demand on HBO Max. So uh, watch it. Watch from bleak to dark. I think you know why it's called that, don't you? Let's do the show. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? What is happening? Huh? How are you? Look, this is a special episode. There's some real production going on here, people. Real production. Yep. Well, there always is, but this is like, this is above and beyond. Listen, listen. My buddy Brendan, who's also the producer of this show, decided to teach me about wrestling. Professional wrestlers came over to teach me about wrestling. The owner of a wrestling company taught me about wrestling. And then we went to the LA Forum to watch wrestling. I already know what some of you are thinking. What's this wrestling stuff? I know. I get Believe me, I get it. Why should I care about this? I know. Believe me. I understand where you're coming from. Here's the thing. We've been documenting this in a five-part series for Full Marin subscribers called Wrestling with Mark. And there are people who probably thought the same things before they heard the series. But here's an email we got from one of our Full Marin listeners. Subject line, loved Chris Jericho episode. I've always loved what you guys do with WTF. I've been listening weekly since the beginning, since 2009, that would be. With all due respect, I really thought the wrestling stuff on the full Marin was a silly idea. But I just listened to the Chris Jericho episode, and I'm ready to go back and listen to it again. It was a fascinating discussion that not only helped me to appreciate wrestling, but also helped me to further appreciate the creativity and inspiration that drives all types of performers and writers. 
Chris, Brendan, and Mark's analysis of wrestling as a formal constraint slash conceit alongside opera, film, and even figure skating liberated me from the common it's all fake and it's all for teenage boys attitude. Chris's sharing of the meta-awareness that drives wrestling, such as his eliciting boos by insulting the crowd during commercial breaks, and Brendan's comments on his hopes going into a match that it will fulfill his expectations of what the perfect beats would be really enlightened me. Thanks for your continuing efforts and evolution, Robert. Yeah, right? So even if you're not a wrestling fan, we think you'll enjoy this episode today. We're presenting a shortened version of the Wrestling with Mark series, including all the interviews we did. That's with wrestlers Chris Jericho, MJF, Eddie Kingston, and Colt Cabana, plus referee Bryce Remsburg and AEW owner Tony Khan. But it all started, people, this whole thing started in my living room on my couch. This is a mission. It is a mission. It's a mission that I was uh, excited to undertake. Yeah. Uh, because, well, you know, we were talking about it, and you've been talking about it a lot lately, especially as the new year has turned, that you're kind of looking to, I don't want to say you're making life changes, but you're yeah. looking at your life in a way that you're trying to not pin it all to... Uh, Stand up and three people. <laughs> yeah. And like <laughs> obligation and like things that you have to do yeah. or in the intensity of, you know, having a list of things of, of, of achievements that you have to, to tick off. Right. right. Yeah. Well, I think it's just, uh, you know, I, I make the choices of what I have to do, but I always do them. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think I make choices to do things I just want to do because I'm not always clear what those things are. So everything becomes this chore after a certain point. Yeah. So yeah, I've I've decided I'm going to spend more time maybe uh, with uh, people having dinner parties or whatnot. That seems to be a big factor, a big part of it, and uh, just doing things I enjoy, playing music. Yeah. And uh, and I, I guess the idea here is is that you know maybe maybe wrestling. Well, yeah, maybe, but you know what I think? It's more to me. Yeah. I, I think this was as much a, a feeling that I had of wanting to share something with you as yeah. a as a, a friend of yours, yeah. as someone who like if okay, well, you know, what do you do? Like you you're you're, you're friends, you want to hang out. What, yeah. Well, I actually am not sure that you even know like how important this stuff is to me. Like it's super important. Like you know how you uh, say sometimes, and I'm very flattered when you do, it's a very nice thing for you to say that you're like, oh, Brendan's the smartest guy I know. He knows everything about everything, yeah. right? He knows that. Like I know more about this than I do about anything on earth. And I'm not joking about that. I do think that like it be it's fun to be fun to go to the matches and that and it, you just experience the thing but i do want you to kind of take in how wrestling is made and done in a way that i think you as a performer can appreciate yeah and like you know the idea that you know you're building these matches based on the stories that they're telling right some guy hates another guy or right. whatever reason that yeah. they're having the fight but sometimes these beefs go back years right they can go back years or it can be brand new it can yeah. be just this oh now these two guys have to have a fight to see who's going to be the next in line for the title or whatever right. well what do you do with that once you're doing it you have to have a match these matches if they're good 
have to tell a story in the match. And it's actually much like a stand-up set where you kind of know a certain scaffolding yeah. of how to build the set. Yeah. Like these matches have a scaffolding that you have to kind of follow. Yeah. Almost, uh, you know, they, they, they teach it to you when you're training to be a wrestler. Yeah. But the best ones can do it and they can do it without even talking about it beforehand. They say, let's just go out to the ring. We'll call it in the ring. And then they know they have the intro, which is how they're going to kind of set up the match. Yeah. Then there's a part called The Shine, which is where the baby face, the good guy, yeah. gets, you know, his moves in, gets to look like a winner. Then you call The Heat, which is when the heel takes over yeah. and hope looks lost. Yeah. He gives some what they call hope spots where it looks like the guy's coming back and then yeah. he gets waylaid or whatever. Right. And uh, then there is the comeback. And then the comeback builds to a climax. Yeah. And then the climax ends with one of them winning. Either right. The heel cheats and wins or, or beats the guy clean, which tells you that heel is better, right? Because the general premise of wrestling is the baby faces are better than the heels. Yeah. That's why the heels are heels because they need to cheat. Right. And all of this like has kind of Joseph Campbell-y like hero structure sure. stuff too. Yeah. And so once you can kind of notice that, you can start to watch these things and go, well, that guy's really good. Because yeah. he made me really believe he was gonna lose there. And then he didn't. Yeah. And he like you you start to see these dudes play people like a fiddle. So what's interesting about it is that it is sort of an improvisation in this Totally. In the structure. Yes. Well, it's so funny because like I did this wrestling show for years. Yeah. And uh, I don't think I had any sense of any of this. Well, I think also when you fictionalize wrestling, yeah. it becomes very easy to cut all of this out. Right. right. Someone watching Glow is not interested in how they're building a match or putting it together. You're just dealing I don't with think the this characters. Was, yeah, and it wasn't really talked about. Correct. Even though we did matches. Maybe it was talked about with the girls, but I, I didn't hear any of it. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't come empty handed to, yeah. to do this today. Is I there recruited, a wrestler in the car? I recruited some help. No, we'll get some food. And when we come back here, Chris Jericho's coming over. No way. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Jericho's coming over and he's going to, uh, uh, just talk wrestling with us. Yeah. But then also talk about like, this guy's been doing it since he's 19. Yeah. He's a real road dog. Yeah. He was, uh, involved in every promotion in the world, WWE, WCW, New Japan. So uh -huh. he can give you a real sense of what it's like to be basically a guy who's seen it all. And he's going to come by and we'll do that with him. Get on the mics out in the Get garage. Get on the mics out in the garage. Yeah. Okay, man. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcast. Podcasts. 
So, as Brendan told you, I, you know, I was uh, in. I started in a wrestling themed TV show. But, yeah, I uh, loved it. Glow. Oh, thanks. Great. Yeah. But like, my character didn't need to know about wrestling, and I've continued that. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I was in the wrestling world for for a while, and certainly, you know, I've interviewed a few wrestlers. I learn more as we go along. But this is really the first time tomorrow. That I'm gonna go go to the show. Yeah, right. Now, you guys all converge on this place together, or you 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 meet here. Like, how do you travel as wrestlers? Okay, so uh, it's a weekly show every Wednesday. Yeah, all across the country. Right. Right. So usually everyone flies in like on a Tuesday night. And then we do the show on Wednesday and people leave on Thursday. So you just go have your lives and this is your job. You do. And and this week was different though, because we had uh last Wednesday was Seattle. Yeah. Then we went to Portland on Friday. Right. And then we have Wednesday here in LA. So a lot of people just stayed out here. Sure. Well, the there's coast. stuff to do here. Well, yeah, and rather than traveling back and forth, that's a long flight to go back and forth. And but, how were the shows on uh, the last week? Well, Seattle, they were great. Portland. So we've never our first time in Seattle. Yeah. First time in Portland. And this will be our second time in LA with this company tomorrow. So it's great when you go to a new city because the people have never seen you before. Yeah. So they're always crazier. Yeah. They're always loud and yeah. Um, they usually, usually sell the most tickets in a market the first time you go, and then you have to you know if you put on a great show, then people will come back. Like in LA, we we sold out the first show. We didn't sell it tomorrow night, but there's still going to be over ten thousand sold. So that's wow. a great that's a great night. But you don't worry about people not coming back i mean what is it is sometimes it, i mean yeah. but like you know we go to certain markets where you're just there like every three or four months and then you start to burn it out oh. so you got to get away from it for a while you know yeah why because it's the same crew you guys are doing different matches and it is but just i mean it's like anything else you can't if you're a sure. rock and roll band racing dc yeah, you yeah. can't go to you know la every month or after right. a while, i'll skip i mean it's week. like think about your tours too yeah. right like your you, comedy you, yeah. you 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 have noticed like You'll go to a place, and then if you go back, you're like, "Oh, I can't do the same stuff. I can't." Well, that's you know, it. Yeah. But like, you know, I right. mean, but I, it's, you know, but I have to write a whole new act. It would seem that the stories or the matches or this, you know, the evolution of characters right. within the. I think I think the 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 best way is to go to a market like like twice a year, unless yeah. it's a New York or an LA, then maybe three times a year. That's yeah. good. That's what you should be doing. Yeah, because um, you know to play the big venues like this. I mean, that's like I said, that's a good way. To, to keep the product fresh. And plus, you yes, you're always doing new matches and newer, because even if you're not in the same city, you're, yeah. we have, our show is every Wednesday night live. Right. So you have to hook people with the storylines, much like Glow. Yeah. What happens this week leads to next week, right. leads to the week after that, sure. drama, you know, all that sort of thing. So how long have you been in it now? 32 years. And you seem well. I've, I feel well, but I lost my fucking mind 15 years or 20 years ago. But yeah, 32 years uh, in, in the biz. And physically, you can still take it. I just watched yeah. a match from a couple of weeks ago. One was yeah. that from New Jersey. Yeah, we watched Full Gear this this morning. Uh, oh. And so we we watched your four-way. The four-way, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah like, uh, uh, let's see, about 10 years ago, I started doing yoga. Really? That helped out a lot. Did it? It really did. Uh, I don't do it now, but that was kind of the the, the gap that bridged uh, for for me to continue to do this because before that it's a lot of your weightlifting and how much you bench. And so no stretching, you weren't stretching. I wasn't properly? stretching. Yeah, yeah. Now I don't really weightlift anymore. I do a lot of kickboxing now. Okay. Um, a lot of cardio stuff. I really watch my diet. Yeah. You know, I lost a lot of weight earlier this year, um, about 30 pounds. So that kind of helped a bit as well. So yeah, as you get older, you have to just morph your training and and, and how you. How you live, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to do it myself. Yeah. So you stopped lifting 
just because it was counterproductive? I guess. I mean, like I said, when 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 I had a really bad back issue that yoga helped me through. Mm. And yoga was a really um, physical yeah. transformation just from doing that. You tight, you know, like you feel your core lock your in. Your core locks yeah. in, even the different muscles that you use and all that sort of thing. There's a lot of kind of isometrics in this yeah. yoga, yoga approach. Yeah. You know, you're basically lifting weights without lifting weights, right. just slowly moving your arms back and forth, which gives you a pump, that sort of stuff. So that, that kind of took me away from the weight training. Yeah, I yeah. I'm really hurting my joints now. My shoulders are kind of fucked. My knees are kind of fucked. But if I don't lift weights, I don't put extra strain on them. So that helps, yeah. you know? So yeah, I'm finding just... the joint thing is happening. Yes. As you get older, it's, yeah. it's a thing. Like I'm 59 and I right. just started like a year or so. Like in the last year, the joints. It's, it's, and for me, the, the stretching of the yoga really helped with all of that Yeah, stuff. I just started doing it again. Yeah. It's, the balance is a bitch. Right. Yeah. yeah fall, one leg oh, up, man, one leg dude. behind, falling all the time. It's embarrassing. But, sometimes. you know, when, I did never stretched, ever, never stretched. And I couldn't even bend over and touch my toes. And, like, oh, as, as a pro athlete, why why am I not doing this? You got to stretch. So, yeah, so it really made a difference. Yeah. So when you started, what? where were you? So I started in, uh, I'm from Winnipeg, uh, Canada. You're Canadian? I'm Canadian, yeah. You lucky fuck. Yeah. <laughs> You can just leave. I can just leave whenever the fuck I want. Oh, it's a pain. I can go on both sides of the border. Um, <laughs> but Winnipeg, you want to get out of. Though. Well, I was freezing up there. Yeah. So I was in Winnipeg. I moved to Calgary. That's where I trained with. Calgary, the- not, another not great place. <laughs> I love Canada. But Winnipeg, is a, it's just blown out tundra. Yeah. It's and a Calgary place. is like a bunch of yahoos. Well, yeah. The West, the Cowboys. The Cowboys are all yeah. there. Um, so that's where I trained, though. Before Vince started the WWF. Uh, the, it, which existed before he took it national. There was territories, yeah. so you'd have a Calgary territory, Dallas. There'd be an LA territory. So guys would just go around the country, stay in this territory for a year or two. But were this, there gigs within each territory? Is yes, that how it worked? They had their own little running company where you do six shows a week traveling all around the area so you would get a little bit stale and then you'd move to the next territory so it was a very nomadic lifestyle back in those days how long would it take to get stale uh, it depends on how hot you were and how how you got your character over because wrestling uh is all character the moves are important and the matches are exciting but yeah. you have to connect with the audience That's yeah the, just like comedy yeah. or acting or anything you have to connect with the audience if you can do that to a high level the audience will pay to see you and, and they'll be interested in what you're doing. Uh, and so, that's a combination of things in terms com- of character. Character, like, knowing uh, how to play stick. the charisma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. S- stories have a lot to do with it, yeah. the stories that we're telling. Because that's the number one thing of wrestling, it's storytelling. Yeah. That's why people are, and you'll see tomorrow night, there's going to be some crazy matches uh, that, that the athleticism is through the roof. Yeah. But the stories behind them are the most important thing. Before watching it with Brendan, I, it wasn't that I judged it, because I talked to a lot of wrestlers. I understand that it's a it's an art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that there's a, it's a performative art. Right. Uh, but like, I didn't really believe that I'd necessarily get past the knowing that, that it's not really uh, about whether it has to be convincing. Sure. It has you, to be good. Yeah. But you know that there's an orchestration of moves. Yeah. But like, I, it very quickly just became about, I became invested in the characters. Well, and you'll see, like, for example, tomorrow night, my my gang, the Jericho Appreciation Society, Yeah, I had a match against this up-and-coming guy, Ricky Starks, who's getting really popular with the crowd. He beat me, and then after he beat me, my gang 
kicked the shit out of him and, and threw him through a table and, and really kicked his ass, right? Oh, yeah. So tomorrow night, we're going to come out to gloat about how great we are. So you guys are the heels? We're the heels. Yeah. And then Ricky will come out and Action Andretti will come out and there'll be a little confrontation, which will lead to the next week's storyline. So some weeks you wrestle. Yeah. Some weeks you do the storytelling. There's also a huge comedic, ridiculous, preposterous side to it as well, yeah. which is something I've always been attracted to also. Yeah. I can go have the five-star match and I can also do a song and dance routine and sing me and my shadow uh, on the show, right. which we did last year, a couple years ago as well. <laughs> yeah. All of that stuff to me is wrestling. Wrestling is all things to all people to me. So you started doing it. How old were you? I was 19. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, by how, when did you sort of get into the American territories? Well, um, so at the time, this is 1990. Yeah. So at the time, like the biggest, the, the, the guys were all huge. Hulk Hogan and that type. It was six foot eight, 300 pounds. That's when he was a kid. That's, well, yeah. And that's, and I was 5'11", you know, 195, 200 pounds. So I always knew I wouldn't be the biggest guy on the show. Yeah. But I could have the biggest character and the most charisma and the yeah. biggest personality. And that's what I did in Canada. But then what, where I really started getting my break was over, was overseas in Japan. Yeah. And in Mexico, because they didn't care as much about size yeah they cared about match quality they cared about charisma connecting with the crowd connecting with the audience how's it different though over there like in japan what are the expectations japan I mean? is a much a little bit more hard-hitting yeah a little bit less of the, of the of the interviews and the the american they just like the physicality the physicality of it the art form of it yeah right mexico was the other side way much more cartoon character for kids you know everyone's wearing the mask the lucha libre yeah. thing so america is kind of a, a combination of the two japan's much more hard-hitting mexico's much more of the of the cartoon it's like it's sort of broad they because i noticed that a little bit with some of those uh, luchadors for that we watched today yeah. with that you were fighting the with, Lucha right? The Lucha Brothers. The Lucha, Lucha Brothers, Brothers yeah, right. Yeah. But what I'm saying is I became a big star in Japan as a bad guy and a big star in Mexico is almost a teen heartthrob. Like I was on the oh, cover yeah. of the teen magazine oh, and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so by the time I got to the States, which is your question, it was probably 96, so I was six years in, but I'd already, already become a pretty big star in other countries before I came and became a star in the States. So you're paying some dues. Did you ever, yeah. did you do those gigs that like comics do like hell gigs? All of them. <laughs> I did a, 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 a kid's birthday party once for a, for a hot dog and an orange juice. Really? That's my best payoff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you do all those ones. I mean, I remember in Mexico, some of those, some of the places we worked were so shitty. I remember a guy taking a, a, a shower out of the back of a toilet. Yeah. And he's like, no, it's okay. It's clean water. I'm like, dude, it's from a toilet. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't care how clean it is. But, a toilet is a toilet. So, but they always had a ring. They always had a ring. Sometimes there are boxing rings, which are hard like this table. Right. You're not doing any, we call them bumps and not yeah. bumps of cocaine. Bumps are, what you, are the falls yeah. that you take in wrestling. Yeah. You're not taking a lot of bumps in a boxing ring because it's just too hard. So you would just go out there and just pantomime and just fuck around because it's not on TV and there's 50 drunks in the crowd. And yeah. Just get the hell out of there and get your 200 pesos and go home. Was there like ever nights where there was like 10 people? And oh, people? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the smallest crowd I think I wrestled was in Rimby, Alberta, seven people. Yeah. And it's hard. Listen, I could wrestle in a stadium tomorrow in front of 70,000 people and yeah. be less nervous than wrestling in front of seven people. Yeah, it's, it's, you got to hold seven you, people. And you can see, as you know, yeah. you see each person in the crowd, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. you actually get to know these people. I'm sure you've totally. done the same gigs. Like, oh, the guy yeah. with the dark hair is getting bored. I better like do right. something. And right. you just, you're fine. And there's, and then there's the, the, uh, war against embarrassment. 
Yeah. Because when there's seven people there, it's already a little sad. It's terrible. And, and, so, the, <laughs> and the people that are there are embarrassed. Yeah, everyone's it's like they like, we made the wrong decision yeah. to come to the wrestling tonight. Yeah. Oh my God, same with the band. Sometimes you play, it's like, oh, fuck. Not yeah. anymore, thankfully, but we played the, you know, oh, the yeah. games with seven people with the band, too. That sucks also. I never understood it. Like, but I, I, you'd go do the show, but when I'd get there, I'd be like, you know, what? Do you want to go? Do you want to just leave? <laughs> yeah. you, well, you can go. <laughs> yeah. I'm really, I feel bad for you. You're right. It's so embarrassing. It's a little weird, but they always stay, dude. They do. And then once again, that's the real secret. That's paying your dues. If you can get a crowd of seven interested in what you're doing. Yeah. That's a hell of a talent to be able to have. Well, they're also, they don't want to hurt your feelings. So well, they're yeah. going to say, <laughs> if you walk a crowd of seven, yeah. even two of them, it's, that's yeah. got to be worse. Yes. Because you don't know if you walk anybody when there's 20,000 people in well, there. Well, and that was the thing too, during the pandemic, we had to wrestle in front of no people because we have our weekly TV show. It's like, listen, pandemic or not, you got to put on a show. Yeah. And I remember a lot of the people like, I feel bad for the young guys with, you know, there's no crowds. I was like, fuck the young guys. They feel bad for me. Yeah. You know how long it's been since I wrestled in front of no people like it's been 30 years <laughs> it's really hard to wrestle in front of no people yeah it, i mean so you, you got, got you go you need the crowd that badly I, you don't well, i mean not need but i mean you you pace yourself you, with you, the crowd you, you, yeah you, you a lot of times at least for me with the experience that i have is i base my match around the crowd that we have you know i know if like for example last week in seattle with ricky starks yeah the, I knew the Seattle crowd was going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. I might have put together a different style match if we were in, you know, Washington D.C. where the mm-hmm. crowd is not as crazy. Yeah, or Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, well, what would you do? What you, you make just them more crazier? the drama? Yeah. Like, for example, if I put them in the submission hold, yeah. I know I can hold it for five minutes. Yeah, and the crowd will be excited about it, and cheering, and hoping that he gets out. And we can mess with it. Like you just know, and that's just so. So yes, you do use yeah. the crowd, of course. Yeah, to, to to base your performance on the flow. Yeah, the flow. So like, so you you don't make the transitions as quickly, or like if the crowd, if you can milk a crowd. Oh, I will milk them till the cows come home. So you can just keep doing the the different the different parts of the story. Right? I did sure. a match in Chicago yeah. right before Thanksgiving with Ishii. Oh, and God, he's a Japanese great. guy, doesn't speak English. Yeah. He's really hard hitting. And I said, let's we're gonna chop each other, like slap each other in the chest yeah. for like five minutes straight. Let's just <laughs> see what happens. And dude, our chests were blood. I was actually bleeding, my black and blue. And for five minutes, this crowd was going nuts. And then they go down a bit. And I said, just keep going. You know, it's like a comedy. Repetition yeah, always right. gets a laugh. Sure. Wrestling repetition will always get, and they came back up and they're just now they're just going bananas for this chop fight. Yeah. And I was like, this is great. We don't have to do anything. Just chop each other for five minutes. Hit you with the finish and the yeah. match is done. It was <laughs> awesome. And like I said, the, the but the drama of it worked because the crowd was so hot. Yeah. You know, so all of that stuff plays in. You know this because you're a live performer yeah. too. There is a there is a trick and um a, a way to play a live crowd. Yeah. And if you can do that, you'll always have the best shows. And it takes a while to learn, but once you got it, you can do it every night. So when you were in that the the four people, what do you call that? Four oh, way. the four-way four match? match? The yeah. four-way, like, I mean, do you, all you guys just know those moves in terms of synchronicity and movement, even when there's two-on-one, you just know those instinctively and you just call them and you know what to go yeah, to? Yeah, you talk about it beforehand. Oh, you do? Especially for a match like that because yeah. there's four different players and yeah. there's always something going on. Yeah. But if you remember that match, uh, the, the, the biggest reaction of the whole match is when my guy, Sammy, and I were, were yeah. when, when, when he turned on me. Yeah. That there, when I spun him around and that drama 
was oh after you hugged him and then he went yeah, at yeah and then yeah. we because you know, we made a deal like you know you're you're not gonna you're not gonna go after me you're gonna help me win yeah right Sammy and he's like all right yeah that was the story we told going into it so that when he I finally hit him with a move yeah didn't care a thing about it and then he was kind of like well this is fucking shitty so then he turns on me and that moment was so dramatic that people went nuts for it and I'm like that's the best that's wrestling right because they. I mean, like someone like Brendan knows everything that can happen, but you don't know what will happen. Or all the time. I think of the way I put it to you exactly. is that I come into it in it. I come into every match hoping that the that they will make the right dramatic choices in that scenario. Right. And then when the, and and I know that they're professionals, so so uh, especially like you're in a national promotion like this, they're not going to half-ass this. They're going to yeah. do the full match. It's going to be good no matter what. They're right. good performance. Yeah, but. Like the perfect example is the main event of that pay-per-view, like going into that pay-per-view, following the story of MJF and Moxley and, right. and Regal, like me and my friend who went to that event in Jersey, we thought, well, he's got to cheat and he's got to be helped by Regal. That's the story. And and I, look, I would have gone, I would have had a great time in any <laughs> other way watching those matches. It was a great night, per, you know, really well done show. But that was the key right. yeah, because yeah. I was like they hit the best emotional note that you could hit is that he it was all laid out for weeks yeah. if yeah. you got to that point yeah well we did something just a few weeks ago I saw this kid back in October good looking kid pretty agile and then I said well let's let's do a, a promo an interview with him yeah he was a good talker yeah I said let's hire him but just keep him at home I got an idea action end ready mm-hmm. uh Two or three weeks ago, I lose one of the, I lose my title, yeah. and I'm gonna have a, a tune-up match against some jobber, yeah. and I'm gonna get back on track and go back after this title again. Yeah. So this kid comes out, and we have a match, and I'm I'm treating him like a jobber, like a squash match, yeah. I'm just you know, throwing him around, beating him up. He gets really no offense. Yeah. People are chanting, "Let's go, jobber!" Like they're behind yeah. it, they're laughing along. Yeah. Hit him with my finish. One, two, he kicks out. Yeah. And that moment there, people were like. Oh shit! Yeah. And then the buzz starts coming. What's going to happen now? We don't. We've never even seen this guy on TV ever. Yeah. And then we continue forward, and then suddenly he gets me, and he gets me again. He gets out of this. He gets out of that. Bam! Boom! Boom! Hits me with a move. One, two, three. He wins. The oh, crowd man. goes fucking crazy. He's running around, slapping hands. He's jumping up and down. People yeah. are going nuts. It's one of the greatest moments that we've had maybe in AEW history. Yeah. Because no one knew this guy, and by the end, we had made a new star. Yeah. It doesn't hurt me to lose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we made this guy. And that's what it's about. It's about making stars and about making people react and not, no one and nobody would have guessed that he was going to win. Well, especially this, there's a, uh, you know, watching it week to week, you, you, you know, pick up certain cues and that these are kind of things I've picked up since I was a kid that if you introduce a guy, Chris Jericho, for instance, will be in action. No name of an opponent or whatever. Right. That's going to be a squash match. That's a jobber. Yeah. The, the, uh, I don't even know if this was on purpose. They might have been. It might not have been. But when he was introduced, they put the graphic was messed up. It said was, your name. Was my name, yeah. And and you, ju- it just looks like they don't give a shit about this guy because he's just going to lose. <laughs> and, right? that, and that was a mistake, but it was a oh, happy so perfect. accident. It's yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> and and there are also there have been matches where a guy will get a little shine on a big star. I'm thinking of Triple H and Takamichinoku. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that it had that formula where you could 
plausibly see that this guy was going to get an upset victory, but in your head, you we knew know there's it's not gonna no happen. chance, yeah. <laughs> yeah. right? So yeah. you're just waiting to when the finish actually happens. And the amazing thing with this match was that Chris has conceivably three finishers, yeah. right? So he hits the finish that he mentioned, and it was one, two, kick out, yeah. okay? He still got two more in the chamber. Yeah. And each time this guy gets yeah. some shine, gets ready to build, then... I, I forget he went for a, a, a move where maybe it was his moonsault he missed and he gets up and Chris is going like this like yeah. he's going to hit him with this spinning elbow, spinning elbow yeah. right yeah, yeah. and the crowd immediately is booing the shit out of the match because they're like now we know the end right this is it now I can boo Chris because he's going to win and he's the heel and it fucked up he didn't get <laughs> the, the move gets out of it again and, and, and then now it's all over you're, you're ripping up the crowd again it, yeah, it, yeah. it's like this is what I've been trying to let you in on my enjoyment of yeah. this as to why I like it so much. And it's this, exactly but, this. But, but once again, like we said, it's the story that we're telling. Like you just, you called it as a fan watching. There's no way this guy is going to win. Yeah. But what if he did? Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, this guy could win, but he still won't. Right. Like we know what's going to happen. <laughs> we, Jericho is going to make him look great. And then the right. next week we've got a new guy. Yeah. But then he gets out of this move. Okay, well, this is what he got out of that move. And then he hit, and then he wins. It's like that drama and that reaction, that's what wrestling is for me. Yeah. It gives a shit about the fucking moves. It's creating the story to get people to go, ah, this is great. Yeah, yeah. Like the best movies. Yeah. The best TV shows, whatever it may be. But now this guy's got to do the job, right? Well, the thing is, now, and everyone always like, oh, what's the follow-up? Yeah. You just put this guy over it, because everyone's a know-it-all now, too, Mark. Yeah, They're going on fucking Twitter, and they bear, like, I know what the follow-up is the next week. Uh, he comes out and, and rescues another guy. Yeah. So then I do this thing where I throw fireballs in guys' faces. So I fucking <laughs> throw a fireball in his face. Okay, you got the big win over Chris Jericho. Yeah. Quit while you're ahead. Go home. Never come back. Yeah. So the guy that I beat up uh, that he came to make the save for, Ricky Starks, yeah. we have this match last week. Yeah. And once again... Ricky's probably not going to win, but yeah. it's a little, he's a bigger star, but he beats me. Yeah. Clean. Like, clean. He wins. <laughs> yeah. So then my guys come to beat him up. Who comes down to fucking save the day? The guy who I threw the fireball in a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Now he's back again, but we fuck him up too. Yeah. So now the storyline is these two guys, Ricky Starks and Action Andretti, are like these kind of two partners that are thrown together just by the fact that my guys beat them both up. Right. So now they create an alliance. This guy, Ricky's getting higher up the food chain. Action's getting higher up the food chain. My guys are, are getting some great shit. It all fucking works together, you know? Right. I'll, get, I'll give Chris some praise here, too, because one of the things that, uh, you know, hooks me into watching is do they get the little details right? And, you know, I think Tony is very, uh, you know, meticulous about a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, this is only 30 seconds of airtime. Yeah. But they came back from a break after Chris lost this match. Yeah. And he is destroying everything in the backstage. Oh, having a tantrum. Just breaking. Th and, you know, it's like <laughs> that sells the story. <laughs> yes. Because if you were like, whatever, there's a fluke, I yeah. don't care, you know, you laugh it off or whatever, that diminishes the story. Yeah. But you take 30 seconds of the show <laughs> And it all it's very simple. Just have him go tipping over, you know, electrical boxes or whatever and backstage. Throwing chairs against the wall. It helps. Yeah, yeah it worked. Because then it's like he really is pissed <laughs> off. And that's a good thing too, Mark. Being the bad guy. Yeah. It's like it's like there's no rules. Yeah. I can color outside the lines as much sure. as I want. Now I'm I'm a good baby face. Yeah. 
but it's always so much more fun to be a heel. Yeah. It's, it, I've how, always, how could it not I've be? I've always been better as the bad guy. Just, yeah. you know, I've never been world champion as a good guy. Yeah. The Ocho every time has been a heel. But that's, I mean, once, like you said, that's the art form to it. And then, and you, and the heel is usually, um, leads the match. Yeah. Like, you know, like, like the, like the guy leads the girl in the dance. Sure. The heel leads the good guy. Why is it? Um, I don't know. It's just always the way it's been since since I came into the business. I think maybe because the heel used to have more experience uh-huh. than, than the up-and-coming, good-looking baby right. face. Yeah. So you could help run the match better. The old beat-up guy? Yeah, I guess. And yeah. I'm the old beat-up guy with yeah. the hot young upstarts. But, yeah. um, so so I think I like to be in that position of controlling the match a little bit more. And, and you can work together. But when, the heel just always has more of a say in what's going on. When you were coming up, were there guys that you looked up to or that you learned from? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's there's regional guys that never made it out. Yeah, it's the same with comedy. You same, like the, right? The guys, the geniuses. You go, and it's like, fucking this guy. Like, yeah. why did he never make it? You know? What's the answer usually? <sighs> Timing, probably. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just some guy. Or they just, got that thing inside of them. They're not going to let him get famous. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're a guitar player. How many guitar yeah. players do you know? We're like, how the fuck did this guy never make it? Yeah. But you're right. The thing inside of them that prevents you from yeah. taking a chance to go or to the next step. that one thing that's just not... Quite, I don't know. There's it's a combination of things. Timing's one thing, but you know, some people just don't ever come into their own. Yeah, you know, and you got to do that to actually have an honest shot at it. You do. You have to have a little bit of arrogance, a little bit of fearlessness, a I little bit of so. foolishness yeah. to yeah. make it. You really do. I mean, think of all of us that that. I mean, you you've made it huge in your career. Just to take that step. Yeah. The first night you stepped on stage with three minutes of material, yeah. like I tried stand-up comedy when I was, and I didn't, I sucked. It was terrible. Yeah. Thankfully, I was good at, at music and wrestling, so I stuck with that. But like, you tried it. You, I like that was in the mix. You, well, it was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I remember I did a big routine on uh, a golden topping is what they call butter on popcorn yeah. in Canada. Yeah. Golden topping. I, how that, I can't remember exactly, but I related to, to, to sex in a golden shower. So oh. maybe that will tell you why sure. my routine yeah. didn't do so well that night. <laughs> but I mean, just to take that chance to make it, it's not easy to do right uh and maybe some guys weren't able to 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 go for broke. right and but what's also hard is if you get the opportunity to keep doing it is that then you realize like well fuck now i'm in yeah there's no choice and there's, yeah and there's no going yeah. back to anything yeah so you got you got to ride it out i think it's one thing if a regional act doesn't quite get because i bet you some of those guys are still working right well then they did yeah i mean not now because they're probably so old but but because the guys were probably 10 10 15 years older than me right but they probably worked much longer they probably had 25 year careers and, they, right. and then they're probably you know driving a taxi and on saturday night they're out out is yeah. to go yeah. do a match yeah you know well i wonder if they're okay i always wonder about those cats if like they get you know like they if they give it up gracefully yeah oh yeah yeah. You know, did you ever see that movie called The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke? Yeah, Rourke? sure. That, I know so many of those guys throughout the years, of, of the guys that were made it big, and then they're now they're working back in the, you know, community center after literally playing Madison Square Garden. How does it get to that point? And thankfully, I never, I never had that. I, I never, from the moment I started wrestling, I think I had a bar gig for the first year and a half. I have never had another job. Uh, of course, I've had a million jobs yeah. now, but, but, but I never had to get a day job. Right. Since I was probably 21. Right. But do you think, Chris, that maybe you also, uh, because you have a kind of spirit of like entrepreneurship and you, like you've set yourself up with a lot of gigs. Well, yeah. And I do think like 
I was saying that to Mark, like that, you know, you're one of these guys and I wouldn't call you a survivor in the business. You're, you're still a top star, but you have done what a survivor would do to set themselves up so that they're not in that position uh, to be like, you, you're, you're still wrestling and you're, t- you're, you're wrestling in the highest possible way, taking, you know, having long matches, big bumps, all this stuff, but you still have three or four or five things at any given time that you can rely on. Well, I, I, I never wanted to, um, get the day job, get the day job or have, have someone tell me what I have to do. Like obviously we, I have a boss, we all have yeah. bosses, but I really work for myself. And I think one of the things I've always been good at is, is I'm not afraid to take a chance. I left yeah. WWE to go to Japan, then went to AW. I could have like, we didn't know what AW was going to do when yeah. it started. Right. Like, do you know how many upstart wrestling companies there's been? Has there been a lot? been a lot but not but not like major ones but you hear it all the time for just the thought of aw to leave and for us to be as big as we are right now to actually be a legit competitor with WWE. yeah no one could have guessed that yeah so it took a lot of guts to yeah. give it a try like fuck if if this works my legacy is even bigger if it right. doesn't then tail between the legs probably go back to WWE or whatever. But I, I didn't want to do that. Well, I mean, how do you, how do people like well, again? You know, but I I don't know. Like, how do they treat guys who are getting older at WWE? Well, I mean, it's weird. Like back probably in the nineties, there was a company called WCW that became very popular because Hulk Hogan went there, Macho yeah. Man Savage, Piper, because Vince got rid of all those guys. Because in his mind, when you hit forty, You're you out. were done. Yeah. Meanwhile, regional, like Mick Bockwinkle, I think, was the world champion mm. when he was 50 and still awesome. Yeah. You know, I'm 52 and I was just one of the world champions. And I'm still, like you said, doing some really great work. So I, I think WWE had that mindset, but then they kind of got away from it. Yeah. Because the, 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 the adage of age is just the number is so true. Yeah. You know, it really is. And to me, people say, well, how much longer are you going to do this? And it's like, I could end tomorrow. I could end five years from now or or who cares? Sting is 63 yeah, and still doing great stuff. So who knows, man, to me, as long as you can still compete at a high level, like I have a high standard for myself. If I went out there and like two, three, four times in a row, I felt like, oof, like I'm starting to fucking phone this in. I I would quit. That happens with guys too. They've, I mean, you, you see it happen. You can lose it in a second. Who knows, man? Right. So that's why I never thought wrestling would last forever because it can't. But I can play music until the day I die. I can do a podcast the day I die. I can act until the day I can do a crew, whatever, all these different things that I do. Yeah. It's show business, right? Sure. So the physical aspect might go away. But in the meantime, I built all these other avenues that it's like, dude, I'll just step. I'm looking at Mick right now. You got this great poster. Give me shelter over here. I saw Mick in in London this summer. He was 79, almost 80. He's still fucking great. Not not for an old, no, for anybody. He's Mick Jagger. He's Mick Jagger. I I saw him. But, you know, you can see that, like, God knows what he has to do to get up into that mind to do that. It's kind of amazing. It's amazing. But he does it, right, Mark? He does. He does do it, you know. Well, well, I've been talking about it. I saw the Stones do their last show here in Florida. Yeah. The last tour, you know. With the Hard Rock? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, people are like, was it great? I'm like, no, yeah. it, it was the Stones, though. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They, it's like they, you, you know, you, you're excited to see them and they put the effort in. Yeah. And, and Mick is like, Mick is carrying the whole goddamn thing. He's overdoing it. Dude, completely. And it's kind of like, you almost feel like saying like, just take it easy, man. Take a rest, <laughs> you know? He gets two songs rest for sure where Keith sings. Yeah. And at that point, that's all you can take a Keith. And Keith, like, you, yeah, you don't even know if he's going to make. He's croaking the, it out. Yeah, yeah, you don't know if he's going to make the chord. Dude, he 
was sitting down for a while when I saw them in Atlanta last November. He just sat down on the chair. Like, <laughs> listen, dude, I get it. It's, dude, it's fine. But I see Mick Jagger, and to me, it's like, I look at pictures of my dad when he was 40. Yeah. He looked like an old man. Yeah. You know, sweatsuit, big glasses. That's just how it was back yeah. in the 80s. Now I see Mick at 80 and I'm 52. It's like, there is no way I'm ever going to stop doing what I'm doing. Really? Why yeah. would I? If Mick can do it, I want to do it too and, and and stay in shape and be cool. And like you said, how much he has to do to get into that mindset, oh, yeah. but he does it. Yeah. And to me, like, that's life. Like, I don't want to be this guy. Oh, he's 70 and I, I'm growing carrots now. And if you want to do that, that's great. I don't want to fucking grow carrots. Yeah. I don't want to grow carrots, but I might want to not do anything. <laughs> <laughs> There's some part of me that's sort of like, do I, how long do I have to keep doing shit? But you can still do podcasting or would well, you I say you do, do that? I, it's not like I have to train to do standup, but you know, it is a matter of in, in the same way it's a matter of relevance and yeah. you know whether or not you're still popular and we can podcast for as long as we choose to do it but there i for some reason there's still part of my brain even though i'm my own boss as well that's sort of like you know is there a way to enjoy life without doing this <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yeah well that but my thing though mark is is, yeah. is how old were you when you first started doing stand-up 21. All right. So you just told me you're 59. So you're, you're looking almost 40 years. Okay. I'm done with it. Now you tell me after those three I months know. or six months, it's going to creep back. Like, fuck man, I want to go back out again. Like, yeah, you know, I'll just go to the improv for one night. Sure. Or I'll take the book sure. in Reseda. Oh, yeah. I'll go to Seattle. Next thing you know, you're all the fucking round again. That's right. But you don't want to be the guy that's sort of like, well, he's still doing it. And that's kind of, <laughs> I see that as well. And I, that's what I was saying about wrestling. I, yeah. I'm already, people already say that about me. You got to have a thick skin to be in show business because mm. Just by the fact I exist, you know, whenever I lose a match, it's the greatest match ever. Whenever I win, it's Jericho holding down the young guys. Which is so ridiculous because I was mentioning that to him today that, like, it would not be a good win for someone else if you if lost all the time. <laughs> you know, I was the champion and won a bunch of matches <laughs> yeah. and people were bagging on me for winning. It's yeah. like, I'm the champion. The How point. dare you win as the champion yeah. so that when someone beats you and becomes the champion, it's a big deal. Also, Chris lost the title to that giant swing move, which was I thought fantastic. Oh, thanks, yeah. That like no like that, that's just like a, a a gimmick that that guy does. Yeah. We, I pointed it out to Mark. The Italian today. guy, yeah, or he's Swiss, but he's Swiss, got an yeah. Italian name, yeah. yeah. And uh, and Chris tapped out to it, which was hilarious. We have for years have been trying to figure out a way to get out of that move because when he does it, people react. And the old timey he swing in the, the circle, old swing. Thing. Yeah. But then yeah. when he stops. The people come down again. Yeah. So I've been working with him since WWE. We yeah. always could never figure out what are we going to do. And finally, yeah. it's like this giant swing. What <laughs> fuck? And then I was like, I, I can. Can I tap out? So I actually had him do it. Where I was trying to see, like, when you're swinging, can I move my hand around to tap it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were tapping the the mat I'm, I'm as you're moving. I can't. I'm spinning around. But what a great fucking way to go out you that know was amazing you also took that swing on the top of that on top uh, of the cage, cage which yeah. you're fucking nuts yeah, for yeah, like I, I would never have you couldn't have paid me i took to that giant that. swing what 40 feet up on top of a cage oh man <laughs> and the only reason i did is because claudio the guy we're talking about is yeah. the strongest guy and i knew there is no way in hell he's ever going to even have one wavering second of dropping me yeah, yeah. But as soon as he started giving it to me and all I'm up there and all I see is people upside down, down this far, I, I took about six hours. I'm done. I'm done. Stop, 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 stop. <laughs> now I watch it back on camera. I could have taken it 50 times, but when you're up there, it was terrifying. Yeah. It was freaking me out, man. Well, oh, he's, he's got this uncanny balance when he does it too, but you, there's no way you We're could still be on top in of it the cage, that yeah. you would think, yeah. oh, well, he's not yeah. going to And when fall. you're in it, I'm, th I'm just going to fall right off the edge and I'm just freaking out. Stop, stop. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, would you all have always thought that? Or if you were younger, do you? I, I just think 
I just think just the situation that you're in being that high up, I don't care how old it is. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. an age thing. It was just a freak out thing. How often do you feel like you're, you might get hurt? I mean, when, I mean, there looks like it's kind of easy to get hurt. The, the, there's, I mean, it is, it's, it, all it takes is one false move and you yeah. can get hurt. So yeah. that can happen at any point in time. Yeah. But there's a few things that, that I'll see that I do that I'm a little bit nervous about. That was one of them. Um, getting thrown off the cage in the first one was one of them because it's yeah. a pretty far fall. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things, if you see the match I did with Bandito, there's a couple of moves he did that I knew were going to hurt, oh, a little yeah, bit yeah. nervous about. But it's also kind of a little bit of a daredevil thing. Yeah. Like, I don't not want to do it because what it, oh, it's a little bit scary. That was what you said while we were watching it. You're like, there has to be a certain level of some there kind is. of masochism to this. Cause sure. Like the, 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 there is. And, and it was in that four-way. Of all the matches we watched, too, that one, and I, it's funny, I was there and I've watched that pay-per-view since. It wasn't until sitting there watching with him was that I realized of the matches at, on that pay-per-view, that one was the most physically violent. Like, right. There, there was, Hard hitting. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And and there, it got, you know, it was really at a heat point in the match. And Mark was like, I, there's just no way these guys feel good after this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I think a lot of it, too, is it's just almost like a body callus. You just get used to it. Sure. You know, um, and I'm, I used to wrestle four times a week. Yeah. Every, every week. Yeah. Four times a week. Now it's once... A month, once every couple of weeks, so it's almost a little bit harder to wrestle less when you're wrestling. Now I couldn't do four matches a week schedule now, nor nor would I ever want to. But when you only wrestle once in a while, you think, oh, it's probably a little bit of an easier schedule. It probably hurts a little bit more because mm. you're not as used to it, you know. Right, you don't have the kitchen hands. I guess so, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, have you gotten injured badly? You know, I've been actually really lucky. The yeah. only injury I ever really had, I had a bulging disc. Oh, yeah. Which is fine, but I broke my arm in '94. Uh, I had a steel plate put in there. I missed seven weeks, and that's the only injury I've ever had. Plate still I'm, in there? Still in there, yeah. yeah. I've wow. never, I've never missed a match due to injury. And you were young. That's '94. '94. Wow. Yeah. You know something you mentioned, Chris. That uh, you know a guy that Mark knows well is Mick Foley. Oh, okay. And yeah, we, you know, we used to work with him on the radio, yeah. and we. Um, we did some stuff with him, and one of the crazy things about Mick was, you know, the hardcore legend, as he's called, and he's in all these death matches. And but really, his biggest earning period of his career was as a a guy who pulled a sock out and right. put it in your mouth, and what it was essentially a, a leaning into comedy mm-hmm. as a, as a character. And it was something I heard you say on your show once. Um, I think you guys were reviewing like Pile Driver the album or something. Yeah, yeah. And you were like. I, this is this, this is part of why I got into wrestling. Big time was like that. It's goofy and mm-hmm. silly, and you can't do it all the time, and you can't just be a a clown about it. Like bad comedy is bad comedy, yes. and like we were talking about that before too. That if you watch some of this stuff when it's like if it's acted badly or it's, it just can get embarrassing. But I'm always curious where that comes from does it come from like a promoter like is it a vince or is it the people on the staff writing saying we're going to lean into this being funny or is it actually just a performer who's it's the turned person. it up yeah it's the person right, right. like i said like i i grew up in the 80s watching wrestling and wwf had that campy side to it, the slammy awards and vince mcmahon singing stand back and guys fighting back through catering hit each other with giant salmon and <laughs> punch bowl like i always love that side of wrestling and i still love it to this day now wrestling 
has kind of changed where it's much more of a hardcore five-star match. But yet, like I said, we did that song and dance routine, MJF and I, Me and My Shadow. That's yeah. Busby Berkeley. Sure. Like we were like we were arguing. So we we're gonna meet for dinner and we're gonna work this out, and then we'd go into a song and dance routine. Yeah. I fucking loved it. It actually even won some kind of award with yeah, the, it was New the New York, York Times. Times. Yeah. New York Times. People hated it. Not all people, but the hardcore. They are killing wrestling. They killed. Dude, this is what wrestling had this element to it. When I was a kid, they got enthralled with it. Yeah. Now, the difference is, and this is something, like you said, there's nothing worse than bad comedy. And Mark knows this. Like, there's nothing worse than bad improv. Yeah. I did the Groundlings for a year. I learned, don't try and be funny. Yeah. If you try and be funny, it's never funny. The best way to do improv is to play it straight. Sure. That's how all of my guys will tell you. Inner Circle guys, Jericho appreciates that. My rule is play it straight. Yeah. I don't care how either serious it is, how outlandish, how goofy it is. If we play it straight, it always fucking works. Yeah. Well, was there... Was That's it, the way to do it. Were you doing the Groundlings while while you were wrestling? To- I, took a, I took a break from about 05 to 07. Okay, I studied acting. I studied... Right. I did improv with, with the Groundlings. Did you think... Did you then... Did you do that... Um, specifically, like, so when you were back in wrestling, you were knowing that this is stuff you could... Bring, I, like... didn't, I didn't know if I'd ever come back. Oh, I was really? just really burned out in wrestling. I didn't know how much farther I could go. And you think about that, 2005, I didn't become Chris Jericho until probably 2008. Mm. Like, I'd done a lot of cool so stuff. So how long had you been at it, 2005? Uh, 15 years. Oh, and I was so just you, burned out. Mm. I was done. That's I, interesting, I was, though. You were already a, a funny character. Yeah. Like you, you were. Uh, I, I think the first. I'm, I was going to say. I think the first time I noticed you, and that's not true. I might have seen you at one of your first ECW matches in Queens. It was like yeah. 1996 or something. Yeah. I was. I was living, growing up. I in might Queens. have even worked Mick Foley that night. I think you did. It was his last show yes, in ECW. It was. And one it of was. my first. Yeah. At the Rego Rego Park Hall. And once again, he 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 put me over. That's he, right. I beat him as he's the guy leading. Leaving the, the yeah. big star. Yeah. So I'm the young guy and no one thought I was going to beat him. But when I win and he leaves, now I got a little bit of steam. <laughs> right. yeah, That's how yeah. it works, right? And so you were babyface there and then you he went to WCW as a babyface. Yeah. You kind of fresh faced, Lionheart, Chris Jericho. And it really started to turn with uh, you, the, the losing streak gimmick, which always can help you turn to a heel, yeah. right? Tantrums, and, yeah. And he, t- he turns heel <laughs> and is going at this guy, Dean Malenko who is, uh, his gimmick is a wrestler's wrestler, and they would call him the man of a thousand holds. Yeah. And uh, Chris comes out, he's the cocky heel, <laughs> and he has a uh, roll of paper with him. And I like, I remember watching this on TV as it was happening. He uh, he says, he, Dean Malenko, he may be the man of a thousand holds, but I'm the man of what, was it a thousand three? A thousand four. A thousand four. I know four more than he does. And, and, he I, and now I'm going to read them to you. Rolls it out. <laughs> this list rolls down <laughs> to the ground and he starts reading them out loud. They go, this, is, this is terrible, the announcers. Let's go to break. They go to break. Full commercial set. Back from break, he's still in the ring reading yeah, yeah. the list of holds, and every like fifth or seventh hold was armbar. Arm it was yeah. the same, Russian same one. Bar. He's just repeating it. The, in- the funny thing for that was is that we went to commercial yeah. break. We we're in Chicago, so I'm reading my holds. We go to break. As soon as I know we're in break, I just start insulting Chicago sports teams. Yeah, I was saying like the Blackhawks. Fury. So when they come back from break, and it's like you got ten seconds. The Blackhawks suck. The Black Chicago sucks. Three, two, one. The Russian pile driver. So they're really booing. So for they, it looks like for three minutes, yeah. like he's been doing this for three fucking minutes. You know, little little uh, showbiz oh, trick. That's funny. But that's yeah. that's a, a you know I'm I, I don't 
I don't want to be presumptuous about this, but I do think that got you over in a way that oh, probably time. then got you hired by WWF when it was time yeah, for you to jump. Yeah. And like, that is the kind of like, so this idea that, and it goes back to something you said right when we started talking was that it's all about the character, yes. the character, the character, the character. Yep. Well, another thing about wrestling too, is it's really a, a lot of similarities between uh, WWE and SNL, Silent Live. Yeah, that's true. If you look at it, Lorne has created this entire pop culture phenomenon that changed the course of history in a lot of ways. Vince did the same with the WWF. But they're both based on talent yeah. and making stars. Yeah. Then those stars become big stars, and then they leave. And now he has to build new stars. So sometimes you get a shitty season of SNL because there's just nothing there. Same in WWE. Sometimes they're trying mm -hmm. to build these guys like this guy just doesn't have it. Yeah. Then The Rock comes or Steve Austin comes or, or you know Adam Sandler comes out and suddenly you got a guy who's hot. Then the show is hot. Yeah, right. And then the guy leaves. And Brings you new life to it. Yeah, So, but that's always the, the secret. Like you were saying, who's the next hot guy? And you never know. Like the acclaimed. We never thought the acclaimed. Well, we never, I'm not saying you didn't think it, but the fact they got as big, they're a tag team that does a, a little rap act when they come out. They're, they're great. And they're so popular. Yeah. You never would have guessed it right. if you just saw them two years ago. Right. Oh, they're, they're a decent little team. Whatever. And now they're like one of the biggest acts is, on our show. Is there some sort of scouting apparatus to wrestling? I mean, like it, it seems like with show business, everyone kind of knows can yeah. see people developing. Yes. And there's, they call them indies, independent yeah. companies. And, and pre-pandemic and then now post-pandemic, they're finally getting back yeah. to where you'll see a lot, like that PWG, there's still dozens of great wrestlers that aren't signed to WWE or AEW. And so then you get the word out about them, like, oh, the guy like Michael Oku I worked, or Speedball Mike Bailey, you hear about this guy. So there's all these names that you hear, and then sooner or later, they'll get to the point, same with, like with me, oh, who's this Lionheart Chris Jericho? He's really popular in Mexico. We'll keep an eye on him. Mm. And well, it's interesting, because like, it, it, it seems like there's a, a never-ending appetite for it, yeah. yeah, in terms of like folding these guys into one of the, uh, uh, e either of the big franchises. But, like, if they can't cut it, they just won't cut it. That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're right. They just go away. And that's exactly the truth. And you get that with any time. I mean, do we see it with studios putting a guy in a leading role part? It just doesn't work, and you're gone right away. Bands, you know, yeah. bands, they just go through bands. If you don't get that hit right out of the gate, you yeah. can be done. Yeah. It's just, at wrestling, you get a little bit more time. But if you get put in that top position... And you don't draw. People don't watch your matches. Like, TV ratings are so important. Yeah. I read the minute-by-minute minute TV ratings every week. Of your show? Of my show to see who's, who. What, how did I do, but how did this guy do? Who's drawing every really? week? Really? Yeah, and you can kind of see oh, this pattern. Whenever he's on, yeah. the ratings go up. Really? Swerve Strickland is one of those guys. He's he's a, he's, a, he's not That's a ratings bonanza, but every time he's on, the ratings go up. And what do you, you know, uh, uh, do you have a theory about that? People, the connection. That's right. It's They're just a, with that guy, I would say, is his presence. Uh, if you look at him on yeah. the screen, Jade Cargill is similar in that if you see her on your screen, you think, well, that's an interesting a person. Yeah, yeah, I want to see what this person is doing. So that matters. And if you don't draw, uh, my boss, Tony Khan, is a numbers fanatic. If you are put in a position and, you, and your ratings go down, you won't be put in that position anymore. So mm -hmm. that's that's part of it is you have to connect. People have to watch you when you're on screen. If not, you won't be on screen in that position or maybe you won't be on the main show. You get put to the next show. Huh. So it's all kind of, there's levels to that too. So what made you decide to start learning a little bit more about wrestling, Mark? Well, uh, Brendan's sort of uh, hopping on the, this idea that I'm, I want to sort of enjoy my life more. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't have enough... Uh, 
Diversions I, to hobbies? Yeah, hobbies, and I don't always know what's a good time. Well, we were know? trying to do I something, too, because right. we thought it would be like good podcast material if he got into something that he had no interest in, right? And it was like, we started like trying to get him to watch like the Marvel movies. And, yeah, I didn't do and, it. Yeah, and, and that was the thing. And then the thing was like, for me, I didn't give a shit. So I was like, okay, then don't do it. I'm not going to like yeah. force you to do this. Yeah. And it was literally at that uh, uh, full gear. Like I was just having a blast and I was like, Mark should be here. Like, we should be doing this together. Like, yeah. And I'm a lifelong fan, so I can actually bring some passion to yeah, it yeah, and yeah. convince him, like, this is a good hang. Like, we can enjoy right. this, you know? So, But it's interesting, too, though, because all the time you were doing Glow, yeah. you didn't want to... Well, I mean, you know, I took that, you know, I got that part and I, and I, and I knew what my position was and mm -hmm. I, and I thought that to some, to some degree it would serve me better if I didn't. Gotcha. You, you know, that this guy you know, didn't plan on being a wrestling director, which he is saw kind himself, of the story, yeah. yeah, he saw himself as a, a director director yeah. and then, you know, sort of took it, he, you know, he grew to love them. And and he grew to you know sort of get involved with it, but still throughout that series, you don't get the feeling he knows about wrestling. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the other kid. It's uh, Chris Lowell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he seemed the rich to know. kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was the fan, so it didn't it didn't compel me. And yeah, Brendan's been booking wrestlers on one show or another that we've had for years. I mean, mm -hmm. we did bits with Mick Foley when we were on radio. When I was on radio, and he was producing me on radio, and then I interviewed Colt Cabana. You, you know, years ago, I, yeah. inter I interviewed Punk. Yeah. I interviewed his wife. What's her name? Uh, AJ. AJ. Yeah. yeah. So I've talked to all of them, but I don't think I really, really got, you know, what it means to, to watch it or enjoy it until today. Hmm. Oddly. Really? Yeah. Because like, you know, he's, he's real into it, but you know, but I, maybe it's something to do with where I'm at in my life or whatever, mm -hmm. but I was just able to watch it today with him saying like, it's about the story. It's about mm -hmm. all these things. And you know, I sensed it. I got it. When you come at it with that idea, it'll really open up to you. It's, it's like, it's like, like walking dead. It's not a show about zombies. Yeah. It's a show about society and about relationships and sure. about zombies are the background. Wrestling's almost the same. It's not about the body slam. Sure. That's a part of it, but yeah. it's the storyline that matters. It's all that matters. And it's also just not being condescending. Right. So right. like that, you know, just like let it happen. I mean, what do you, if you're going to bring all that baggage to it, like this is stupid. But that's so, and there's such a, there's such a stigma about wrestling for non, all oh, that shit is fake. Every single movie. No, I get it, you but watch. like it seems like that stigma is like not as prevalent anymore. Like it, it seems like you know there's been so much pushback, yeah, yeah, yeah. over the years, yeah. against people saying it's fake. It's like, of course it is, but so <laughs> yeah. what? Right, right, right. That was ultimately it. It's 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 a live stunt show. It's a modern day Shakespearean play. Right, it really yeah. is. You know, and that's if you look at it that way. You can really appreciate it so much more. Well, it's great talking to you, man. Yeah, great talking to you, man. I'm I'll see you tomorrow. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to see what you think. Right after Chris Jericho came over, came into the garage, then Brendan was excited again and said, wait, there's more, there's more coming. And the CEO of uh, All Elite Wrestling, Tony Khan, walks in. Basically, what's happening in this conversation is Tony... Uh, is going to explain to me his job, which which is not unlike any show. He's the showrunner. He's the one who decides how it's all going to play out week to week. And there is continuity to all this. And also, as I mentioned before, Brendan is here uh, as well. Brendan is in the room uh, to give me uh, some perspective. 
uh, as a fan, I can hear him engaging with uh, Tony as a guy who knows what's going on and, and then feel more of that excitement, get a little more of that contact buzz from Brendan's excitement about everything unfolding. So uh, this, this is me and Tony and, and Brendan uh, on the mics. So where do you come from? I originally am from Champaign, Illinois, uh, where the University of Illinois is. That's where your family's from? Yeah. yeah. Originally, uh, my parents met there. My dad's from Lahore, Pakistan, and my mom's originally from around Chicago. And you're not unlike Brendan in that. You, from how, how old were you when you started to love wrestling? Uh, probably about seven years old. Seven. Same. Yeah. yeah? Yeah. And that's when it happened. Yes. But how, But where do you, how do you, like, what do you do in school to, how, how do you manifest this? Well, I always wanted to write wrestling shows. And actually, the show we do every Wednesday on TBS uh, is called Dynamite, Wednesday Night Dynamite. Yeah. Dynamite is a show that I started writing in notebooks and on the back of pieces of paper yeah. in uh, middle school in 1995. Dynamite. Yeah, Dynamite. And, and it was wrestling scripts. Yeah, wrestling scripts like, you know, matchups every week and stories that go week to week. It was a weekly wrestling show called Dynamite. With it, the guys that you were watching on TV. Yeah, the people at the time. And yeah. now it's, you know, the biggest stars of today every Wednesday on TBS. So how'd you, like, what's, your old man's in the auto parts business, right? Yes, sir. But in a big way. In a big way. In a so, major way. So you were expected to follow suit, right? Not exactly. I no? don't think my dad ever really even wanted that because, uh, first of all, my dad is really a very, very lively person. He's just as active in the auto business as he was when I was a kid. Yeah. He's in his 70s now, and he's one of the healthiest, most vibrant people you'll ever see. Yeah. And I don't think uh, that's really ever what he wanted for me. I don't know. It's certainly not ever something he tried to force on me. And I think he wanted me to do what makes me happy. Oh, I, really? I, I'd like to think, yeah. And you didn't get that pressure? Because a lot of times I've talked to people that come from immigrant parents primarily, and the pressure is relentless. I was under a lot of pressure, but not necessarily pressure to work in auto parts. But okay. I think I was definitely under a lot of pressure to succeed in some meaningful way. Yeah. <laughs> but not necessarily uh, do the same thing as my dad. Yeah. What was he? What were What were you expected to do? What did you think you were going to do? I really uh, wanted to work in sports my whole life, and yeah. I've had this great opportunity for over a decade to do it. Now, my dad, uh, you know, his dream was to buy a football team. And just like I think my dream was to launch a wrestling promotion. And so I got to be a part of that. And for 11 seasons now, I've worked in the NFL and been working on football stats, which is something else I really love. Wait, loved. so your dad owns a team? Yeah, my dad owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. You're doing that as well? Well, I do football statistics and put together uh, scouting reports based on data and put together information on the draft and our games for the coach and for the general manager. I do that. Uh, also, I'm the general manager and sporting director of Fulham Football Club in the Premier League. Yeah. So I, uh, That's in the UK. So he's literally going, he's got a team in Europe, a team in Jacksonville, Florida, and this National Wrestling so Federation. Is, so wait, so now is the wrestling like a hobby? No, not at all. It's a full-time thing. I, it's like uh, I juggle all this work, but I really love it. And I used to be in the NFL office like 80 hours a week before I started working in English football for Fulham. And then I was really splitting my time. And now I'd, I've got a great team I work with at, at Jaguars that really a lot of the scouting reports and data they generate week to week. Yeah. So I'm not having to do that every single week anymore. 
And uh, I'm still working on the data, but not, I'm not in the office 80 hours a week in Jacksonville anymore because I'm on the road. We do 52 weeks a year wrestling. It's yeah. a never-ending tour, so I'm in different cities every week. And it's great. I'm just working all the time, and I love it. Do you have a life? No, I, not as much as I would like, but I love the stuff I do. <laughs> and it's fun. I'm, I'm, I'm very obsessed with wrestling and football, and that works good for what I do. Wait, well, it seems like yeah, you, you, you've you gone as far as you can go for someone obsessed with wrestling and football. Yeah, I've gone far. A, you know, there's who in knows. In the sense that, like, you can feed that obsession without necessarily playing or getting hurt. You can live in it. It is very sustainable, I think, uh, what's, what we have going on. <laughs> and I love working in it every week. And during football season, it's pretty crazy because you have the games every week weekend and then yeah. we have wrestling every week on tbs and tnt but i love it when did you start putting together the wrestling uh federation about four years ago i started working on it and well i started working on it about five years ago and we launched actually four years ago this week what made you think you could take it on well it's interesting i was at a party with the president of tbs and tnt at the time for football uh well no uh it was uh it was actually it's a great question because a lot of those events where you see those people it yeah. would normally be at a, like a big football yeah. event this wasn't it was like a social thing out here in la yeah and my my friend kevin at the time was running tbs and tnt and i saw kevin and i knew him socially and he's a great guy and at the time he was running the two networks yeah and uh he started having a conversation with me and i mentioned wrestling TV rights, and he said he was actually looking into that at the time, and I mentioned, you know, it could be a great time for me to start a wrestling company and for you to carry it, and that turned into a real conversation, and then we had meetings and followed up on it, and then it ended up happening. You so know. you judged interest by that? Yeah, like I kind of I mean, what felt could them you, out. What could you deliver at that point? You didn't have wrestlers? That's a great question. Uh, so there were a number of big stars yeah. just off the top of my head that were going to be free agents that yeah. next year. So I was able to build a great roster taking like Chris Jericho, who's a huge yeah. name that was going to be available as a free agent. And then a lot of the top young wrestlers. And there were a number of people competing for a company called Ring of Honor at the time. Now that's actually, I bought Ring of Honor pretty recently. What was that? What, it's a management company? That was a wrestling company that was probably at the time the number two company in the U.S. Before, in terms of promoting? In terms of, yeah, in terms of attendance and pay-per-view buys and stuff. I think they were, at a time, they were a number two, but a, they never rose to the heights of AEW. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I thought there was an opportunity for AEW to come in and be a strong challenger brand. And that's an expression that Kevin and the people at the time at TBS really taught me, like, and we've used in our marketing. For example, like a challenger brand, a good example you know, Pepsi is the new generation. Pepsi's a challenger brand like AEW. And when yeah. I launched this, I was like, yeah. okay, I'd like to be the Pepsi of pro wrestling. Would you be interested in that? Everyone said yes. Then they showed me a marketing deck about what it means to be a challenger brand. And the best examples they gave me were like Burger King. What's their marketing? A lot of it is like, hey, McDonald's sucks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, and So that's when people ask why I, I, I go out and talk about the competition in wrestling. I mean, that's why, because it was handed down on high to me from the network. So in terms of business, I mean, you're doing well? Yeah, we're doing really well. And with uh, WWE, do you, uh, is there an active rivalry? Do you feel... Yeah. yeah, I think there is. Uh, and week to week, uh, it's very competitive, but we're a challenger brand. And I think nobody's come into the space and done as well as us taking on the industry leader for many, many years, for but decades. I mean, but when does that uh, war become part of the scripts? Well, I mean, it's complete. I think it's to some extent, I do think like 
at least on our end, we try to acknowledge it. That's like I said, the DNA of a challenger brand. You have to acknowledge that there's another big player in the industry, but that we're a major player too. So a challenger brand is not the industry leader, but it's also not a niche brand. It's, but but it seems like it's inevitable if if you're going to honor the uh, the sport that y- you compete with them. Like in an active way. Well, but I that mean, would I, require part like a cooperation that them as the the dominant brand are not going to want. Yeah, until they're right? hurting. Well, they're not. I don't think that's really the case. I think right now it's such a strong time for the wrestling business. So, yeah. you know, who knows? But I, it's something I would certainly be open to, and I think it's an interesting uh, thing for the future because it's not something that's ever really been done. They've kind of existed in their own space. We are working with a lot of wrestling promotions, and and at times they've done stuff like that. But it would be really interesting thing to see well, because there's so many of the wrestlers have stories in both places, in both spaces, yeah. and rivalries that are like you know decades old, right? Yeah, sure. But I think it's like same as uh, for example, now this is I, I'll get uh, killed for making this comparison. So I, you know, what I usually say is Pepsi and Coke, and yeah. I think you wouldn't really see them working together. Just like I think it's like Marvel and DC, like you know, you don't see those superheroes really crossing over very much, and uh, haven't seen that. And and probably I think there'd be a lot of jostling for who's going to be positioned stronger. It would get very political, yeah. and that's why typically these things exist in their own universes, and they try to build their own uh, universe as they have, as they call it, or as I'd call it, maybe a galaxy. Well, somebody, <laughs> something Mark wouldn't know about though is that you did this with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and you you had a pay-per-view in june of last year that well for, for my money was a great show just as a, a show i know that it was uh, difficult to put together just because of injuries and losing certain guys at certain times but it does seem like it was a successful show to co-promote and you got guys from aew to be victorious over guys from new japan and vice versa and it did feel like a real kind of crossover cooperative environment and I know that it's different with them being a international company and you know they're also trying to get a foothold here in America but it does show a kind of blueprint of how it can be done. Absolutely. That's a great point, Brendan. And that now is a great example of two companies collaborating and coming together and that it really can be done because we worked with New Japan Pro Wrestling. But again, that might be more akin to uh, Pepsi and RC or, uh, you know, Burger King and Subway coming together, Burger King and Ar- or Arby's or something like that. Because I think uh, the, there's a one player in the industry fighting uh, against a lot of different players. We've came together, put a sh- show together that a lot of people thought was the best wrestling show of the entire year. And it's won a lot of the polls already for the 2022 show of the year was when AEW and New Japan did well, what'll show. happen is eventually WWE will want to engage because they need the juice I don't know if they need that I mean I Not you know now, it's like, we'll see but like you keep doing this eventually he'll be they'll be like you know well, fuck you I hope <laughs> I hope man that would be really cool but you know on the other on the other hand it's you know been all these years and I don't know if you'll ever see like Pepsi and Coke doing anything together, not to keep making that comparison, but it's like... Yeah, but the truth of the matter is is that there are Pepsi people and there are Coke people. There's only one wrestling people. That's not true. No, there really are camps. It's really for real. Like tribal? Oh, yeah, Yeah. big time. It's so tribal. It's it's funny you say that word, too, because that's like the word they use to describe it. it. It's very intense rivalry, and there are 
people who watch both, but there's a lot of people that are very loyal, like a sport where it's no, like you're it. a fan of the team. Well, but I, w- I would say it's for me, I was a, so I'm very much like Tony in, in that I got into this as a kid. And so for me, it's not a tribal thing. I, God bless WWE. I grew up on it. I love it. It's been in my heart, but I don't watch it anymore. It's just not for me. And so like when you talk about, is there Coke and Pepsi people? Like I would be like, I'm a Pepsi guy and it's like no no offense to Coke people, but I don't like the taste of it, yeah. right? It would be the same thing for me with AEW and WWE. I don't dislike anybody for watching it. It's yeah. wrestling, but I'm not going to watch it. Right. But I do feel like there are uh, a whole tribe of Coca-Cola drinkers who really hate those Pepsi people. Oh, sure. People. <laughs> I mean, that's like there's going to be people at war till the end of time because they, they don't for a like it. Exactly. They don't like the thing the other person likes. Yeah, yeah or sure. they have to not like it. Yeah, yeah. but I, I really love all pro wrestling, and no matter what company it is, we respect the people who come in, and if people wear shirts from a different wrestling company, you know, that's cool. I have no problem with that. I'm I'm getting older in my years. I don't have time to worry about, like, fights over wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just want to watch the show that I want, which is why I, I you know, I, I could have introduced Mark to wrestling in any way. We could have went back and watched old Ric Flair matches or something, but what I wanted him to watch was what I was engaged with now, yeah. and it, I was in, I'm engaged with this product because it's telling good stories. Thank you so much much brendan that's yeah. awesome man and when you conceived of these of the dynamite stories so you you didn't have any wrestlers in mind and now you have how many wrestlers at any given time oh dozens of wrestlers across both shows dynamite and we have a second show now on tnt on fridays called yeah. rampage so we have two shows and we have dozens of wrestlers men and women now across both shows the roster is much bigger now in part because we have more programming that we started yeah uh we started with two hours on TB, T, well, it's two hours on TNT. Now we have two hours on TBS plus one hour on TNT, and we have quarterly specials on TNT. We had four big pay per views, and we I'm trying not to oversaturate the pay per view market. We still have those big four pay per views, and we added a fifth, which is like Brendan said, the partnership with New Japan, the Forbidden Door, we call it, where we go through the Forbidden Door is the name of that show, and, yeah, and fight each other. And do you who does all the writing? I put the matches together and I try to work with all the different wrestlers to put their stories together. So I don't hand them scripts. I think that's one of the things that makes the two shows really different. There's writers uh, and including people, you know, like, like, you know, a lot of people that are names in Hollywood, like have written for WWE and it's great. And I think like Brendan said, it's just a different feel of show because you're more likely to get like handed a script when Chris Jericho, who you just talked to earlier today, um, came to AEW, he told me, he was saying, this is really trippy because I haven't done an interview without a script in 20 years. And all I was giving him is the bullet points. It's yeah. like, look, here's who you're wrestling. Uh, here's the date and time. Yeah. I think we know there's been an issue. You guys gotten there's a brawl here, but we're building to this big match. At the time, it was Chris versus Hangman Page that summer in 2019. Yeah. And uh, they were fighting to, to be the first ever AEW world champion and just kind of setting up the story of it. And Chris really did a lot of digging into his own psyche and use his own words because I think one of the things you hear in wrestling interviews when they're completely scripted for the wrestler word for word is people using words, vocabulary that they would never use themselves. Yeah, and they may not be very good actors. (laughs) Well, yeah, sure. There's that too. I think wrestlers have great acting chops really, but 
you know, in a different me, style. I it's would like an improv style. Let's right. say Kirk, like Curb, your enthusiasm, or a yeah. lot of things. I think yeah, you, you've, sure. you know, and, and where there's a uh, an outline, yeah, and then you're able right. to use your own words as opposed to somebody telling you. And so I would much rather give somebody an outline because I know that when I grew up. I feel like the wrestlers had more freedom to to give their own interviews, and it was you know you heard people speaking in their own words more freely than today. And I believe in the late '90s into the early 2000s, they got into a habit of scripting. So I still put outlines together, but I really want the wrestlers to feel good about what they're saying and believe sure. what they're saying. So yeah. that's that's why we do it that way. Well, when you did when you used to do these scripts for, I, I'm gathering when you're saying scripts, you mean for like e-feds, right? Which I is- my friends and I, it wasn't as much. It was sort of yeah. We would like kind of draft up the world of wrestlers, right. and sometimes we would change up what it was. Sometimes it could be anybody from any era, right, or it would right. just be present day. But um, that was the idea. We would draft out and each build our own federation, our own company, and we would write shows. And mine was always Dynamite. And it was on different nights. Now it's like in real life, it's Wednesday night Dynamite. Yeah. And uh, I came up with it when I was 12 years old because it rhymed with with night. So it was a a cool title. And, you know, never in my wildest dreams did I think it would be a real show that's on every week on TBS. But I was But that's some reps. Like, it's funny, like, because we had Chris in here talking about, you know, putting in his, paying his dues and getting his reps in Japan, in Mexico, in, uh, you know, Northern Territories and that. And- you know, there's no, there's no training for being a wrestling promoter other than just doing it. And so here you are in a world where there is no uh, secondary national wrestling promotion. You're creating it from scratch. The only reps you have at your advantage are, um, you know, things you wrote f- for fantasy purposes, yeah. right? Which would be, you know, the only thing available to you at the time. But that's no crazier, and, I think, than a lot of people in Hollywood, right? Who just wrote sure. stuff in their own home and worked their way up. And I, so I think it's like, to me, it's a very different situation because uh, in wrestling, you know, it's not just one person building their own act, building their own repertoire and starting their own career. You need to build it and, and really launch a lot of careers yeah. all at the same time. And it's like starting a sporting league and like starting almost like a Broadway show where yeah. you have a cast, but also people fighting for the spots. So it's competitive for the spots, but it's also a sporting enterprise, like a team. Yeah. So it's a, I think it's a combination of the two. Um, so, I mean, it was really, like you said, it was the only reps available, but really... I didn't become more hands-on until really the second year, and I, it was really at the end of 2019, I decided to get much more involved. Cre- I was already kind of overseeing a creative process, but I really uh, became a lot more hands-on with it going into 2020. So it was Christmas 2019. I was kicking myself because I really didn't like the way the show went the week before, and I really didn't like the rating. And I felt like we could do better, and I just wanted to hold myself and everyone accountable. And so, did you think I, it was that it needed there needed to be a, um, a consistency to it? There's, there was continuity problems, and there was a sense of things that it just needed to flow through one person, and then that one person was going to be you because that's where the buck stopped. I do think there's some of that, but I do think I just felt like yeah, I I could put together, and it was it was going to be good for everybody because I thought that uh, I could put together a better flow. And get the shows going into 2020 could be stronger, sharper, 
And that building to the first revolution pay-per-view, I really believed we had this great opportunity because we had great ideas and stories in place. Like you said, it was not we were not far off at the end of 2019. Right. And we had great interest, but I felt I didn't like the direction we were heading at the end of 2019. And I felt like, look, 2020, this is a great opportunity. And to this day, the shows that we did at the start of 2020, people still talk about that as one of the strongest periods because I think we came back mm. January 1st with a renewed sense of energy. I haven't had a Wednesday off since Christmas 2019. Uh, but then the COVID hit. And then the COVID hit. And that was really interesting because fans at the time were saying, God, AEW just got all this momentum. Yeah. They had really at the start of 2020, they did their best shows and they've, this is the, the, the company's in such a hot period. What are they going to do? It ended up becoming... I don't. You don't look like a Star Trek guy to me. No. Yeah, you're not a Star Trek guy. Uh, but uh, don't don't stop the uh, the flow. Though. Do you want me to give an? Uh, so, so I, I've said this, uh, uh, you, Brendan. You look like more of a Star Trek guy to In me. In a way, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so okay, good. I am also. Uh, although I don't know if I look at, it, I might. But so uh, there's like this uh, analogy or comparison I've given before, where like they didn't. There's a a moment where uh, in Star Trek, Captain Kirk's ship is really beat up, the Enterprise and. Uh, they're outgunned, and uh, they their ship is a lot more depleted than their opponent's ship, Khan, in the Wrath of Khan oh, okay. in Star Trek II. And so he steers the ship into the nebula where sure. there's a, it's a much more uncertain thing. Nobody's, nobody's viewing, nobody's scanning. None of it's going to work. It's yeah. just it's the same level playing field in a lot of ways. And that's what the pandemic was because we were not as big of a company at, at that point, but really the pandemic allowed us a level playing field to put on shows in a lockdown environment. So neither wrestling company really stopped. We kept doing shows and I made it completely voluntary for everybody to come in. So yeah. we only had the first week, uh, maybe half the roster. And then by week three, we only had 29% of the wrestlers there. What I did is I set it up at first for the first few months our shows were different and I think they were better because there were, you know, as opposed to being in a completely empty environment, I took the wrestlers either that were not participating in matches and in a lot of cases out of work, independent wrestlers that couldn't get any work because there was no independent wrestling because yeah. the only wrestling was TV wrestling. Yeah. The whole indie scene, all the live shows shut down. All there was was TV studio wrestling. Right. And the only three sports or sporting shows really that kept going were AEW, WWE, and UFC. But I think you guys probably were a boon to the respective networks that you were signed with at that time who were hurting for any kind of production. There's no, there's no live sports, production too. There's no, right. And they're, they've got, they, they, they know that even when stuff gets back to production unscripted, it was going to take time to ramp up the content. Yeah. So they had you guys going every week for what was a, a very dire time. We never stopped. And it was like to this day, People all over the world, especially in places where there were strong lockdowns, yeah. like Canada or even here in California, but especially in Canada and England, so many people come up to me all the time and say, and come up to the wrestlers all the time, and they still talk about, like, you got me through the pandemic. Right. Like, you got my family through the pandemic. I notice your, your performers wear it as a badge of honor. Like, I'm noticing it more and more on the air, too. Like, that it'll come up in promos and around character that, you know, you have certain characters saying, like, I was here during the pandemic. I was, I stay, I fought every week or whatever. Yeah. And and I I don't take it lightly. Like, I think they they really feel like, hey, that was an important time for my growth as a as a performer. It was also an important time to to for an audience. Yeah. Like, you know, if you were out doing anything, that's where I that Instagram live stuff started to happen is that right. people were so needing to engage with something happening in the present that wasn't horrible. 
Yeah. And made a big difference. Right. In their lives. Yeah. You know, just to, to sort of like, it, it was, it gave them hope somehow that, you know, it, it was going to be okay, that people were working, that, you know, somebody had the, uh, the courage to sort of like, you know, just do it. Well, we, we tried to do it safe and I, we really did do it safe. We yeah. came back with a bubble. So we tested everybody coming into the show as far as all the wrestlers and we, and you know, the couple times, very rarely a couple times where people did show up, we'd send them home and quarantine them, like put them, put them, you know, either in their car or, but where they weren't going to expose anybody else and tested people before they came into the production bubble where we would shoot the shows. But then, uh, when it was time to get fans back, we were the first people to bring fans back safely because we were outdoors. And my thought was like the drive-in movie theater was back. Sure. And so I thought we could bring that to pro wrestling. My first idea was like, should we actually do a drive-in show? Hmm. But then I realized we have the outdoor amphitheater. We could just space it out. And then that's really what became the standard for sports was the socially distanced show, the outdoor yeah. show where people do 25% capacity. And basically you, your family, or friends, you come and you get – the whole section of seats is just you, and there's nobody around you, anywhere behind you or in right, front of you. Right, And that became the standard. I mean, literally, that you know, the Jaguars and the Chiefs were the only teams in the NFL that had that the first two weeks. Our team, the Jaguars, we really took that model from AEW, and both in football with Jags and with AEW, we had zero known COVID transmissions from doing this because it was outdoors. You were, you know, yeah. you were in your own bubble effectively. And so it really brought the energy and the fans back. And that was also really cool. So some of our best memories and some of our most important memories were made there. Well, I have a couple nerdy questions for right. you because I, I, and, and Mark, you can follow along here, but I know you're not going to know what I'm exactly what I'm talking <laughs> okay. about. But, but, uh, what I have noticed lately is some real, uh, focus and cohesion of, uh, the kind of top line stories and they really kind of seem elegantly laid out. And I wonder what you would attribute that to for yourself. If you agree or disagree, I agree. You, if you agree, then do you feel that's a, since you're the guy on at the helm of most of this, is there something that you do? Like, I just feel like it's a creative question. How do you f like find your juices so that all of a sudden these things are popping as stories and feeling really coherent and focused? Well, I have an answer and sometimes a picture is worth a thousand words. There's no cameras in here, right? No, no. So there's no cameras. What I'd like to show you, I'll cover it up so you don't see anything for the future, but I'll show you what I've been doing since Full Gear a little differently I, yeah, because I think we were on a really strong run going into Full Gear, so I started doing something a little differently going in and coming out of Full Gear. Uh, and it's the same thing I was doing, but it's maybe uh, a little more cohesive on a macro level. Hmm. And I, so I can show you, actually, because it's what I was doing before, but I've never put it all in one place. Um, you know, the biggest thing before I go and pull out um, some of my notes to show you would be that we haven't had this stable of a roster. We were mm. dealing with like a major Injuries. injury or crisis every other week mm -hmm. through the summer. And there was a period the last time I was here for the L.A. Forum in that week, the attrition oh, right. of that week. Talk about unbelievable. I mean, in the span of a week. We had Brian Danielson, right. Adam Cole, and CM Punk all injured. Right. MJF walked out of the show. Right. All of these major incidents. And, a lot. and then through the summer, I was really proud of what we were able to do week to week 
with some uncertainty and then Adam Cole came back but was injured again. CM Punk ended up coming back but was injured again. Brian Danielson came back but has been a fixture in the show. Yeah. And that's been huge to helping right. us build that consistency, having Brian Danielson there week to week. MJF coming back, obviously that's hugely important. But Chris Jericho, John Moxley, and so many people up and down the roster helped us keep that kind of consistency where we still did great numbers and were very competitive through the summer. And, yeah. and now uh, we've had really a stable roster for sure. the last several months, and I think that's really helped us. It's probably been the most stable run of TV and maybe the best run of TV since the original revolution, the yeah. start of 2020. That was probably the last time where I strapped down and said, like, I need to get organized huh. and made a major change as big as the one I'll show you. <laughs> so uh, I don't – and uh, if you – the stuff you read, I would appreciate it. Brand. I'm going to cover the future dates. Oh, sure. yeah. But if you see just I, a bit of what's on here. Yeah. So I had a process. I already had kind of a schedule of what I had planned week to week mm -hmm. in different stories yeah. for different wrestlers, different matches or segments. Right. And at some point, like, I, I just kind of inverted it. I realized, like, I should tip this over. And instead of looking at the dates and building it out, I kind of flipped what the columns were and what the rows were and put the columns where the rows were. And now I organize everything like this since full gear. And I feel like I'm more organized, even though it's all the same information. It's just looking at it differently, and it really helps me. So without giving anything away, and it doesn't seem like you are here, but what what I, the, just to kind of explain this, it looks like the you're you're basically the the focus on this top column are your stars and the stories, and yeah, the, right. And so you're you're able to it's it's, it's not just you're plugging in. Here's what we're going to do: this date, this date, this date. It's the, you're able to see the progression of the story on the chart, yeah. As opposed to so it's like a mini storyboard. Yeah, it is. Okay. And and I already was doing that and we already had that, but I kind of had it the other way. Right. And like where uh, it was looking at the shows and I had where the columns were. Now here were the different wrestlers and different stories. Right. But for some reason, I don't know why, it shouldn't make that big of a difference flipping it's it like flow. this. It's the flow yeah. working down the page like this. It looks a lot better. It works a lot better. Right. And it's basically the same thing I was doing, but it just kind of... Uh, like I said, flip the page around, and it's helped me be even more organized, I think, with our shows, because we had a great year of shows. But really, like you said, I think the last few months, it's been better than ever. So I attribute that to the great performance of the wrestlers, mostly, and the fans, and the great fans coming to the shows. But also, I think uh, a lot of it, in part, has been we've been able to help uh, the flow of the show in recent months by having a stable roster of wrestlers, mm -hmm. and that's probably most of all. But then some small part I would attribute to being a little differently organized and having a, a, a different look at how to flow the show. That's it's very funny though for you know anybody who's listening to this that it is really just a uh, you know piece of paper. It's like basically how you would do it if you were a kid running a, a wrestling league with your friends. Like you would write it down and it still makes sense. Yeah. Now Mark, Mark there's going to be his first live event tomorrow. Are you a personality on the uh, air? Not very rarely. And when I am, I'm more of a device. I'm yeah. Because I am the, the president and the CEO, CEO and I think- You're more that you're acknowledged by the talent and by the announcers. They'll say this match was made by Tony Khan, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. But you know, it's not- Vince McMahon, who was a character yeah. uh, on 
the show. None of that. We've done like 170 episodes of Dynamite and about 75 episodes of Rampage. And so across about 245 TV shows, I think I've shown up five times. Yeah. And every time it was like to make a major announcement. Right. So when I do show up, it's usually a big thing. And, and uh, so I try to keep it brief and not be out there talking all day. And also it sets a good example because I'm also the timekeeper backstage and I hold people accountable to time as you are very familiar in yeah. the world of comedy. Sure. And uh, people have to hit their times for the show to flow and, and everyone to, and really it's, to some extent, it's not only about respecting the company that's, that's, you know, putting the show on and the producers and it's about the fans and them getting to see all the matches they want to see. And also for your fellow performers, your yeah. fellow, you know, your fellow sure. comedians, everyone's got to hit their times and for wrestling, everyone's got to hit their times, what they get. But as the timekeeper, if I go out there and give myself a time, I usually try to keep it light to set a good example. Like, hey, I'm going to get in and get out. And so you can go out and focus on the wrestling. People don't want to see me out here all day. I'm going to make the announcement and go. So wow. what were you going to say about me tomorrow? About coming? Oh, well, I was going to say this is Mark's first event. And and uh, I guess, you know, the my, my feeling is I just kind of want him to like, you know, take it all in. But I'm just interested for you as a you know, guy who runs the company, who writes the show, is going to present this tomorrow at the LA Forum. Like, for someone like Mark that it's his first time, what do you want him to take away from this? Oh, I think you're going to have a great time. This is an awesome show to have it be your first show. And I think that's, uh, you know, you're going to see some great matches. The engagement with the fans, I think you'll, you know, for somebody who professionally engages with live fans on a weekly basis like yourself and has been doing it for decades, and I've been watching you do it for decades, I know that you'll have a great appreciation for uh, the connection that the wrestlers have with this audience. And when you see at the forum how many fans turn up and also all the specific things they know, like the specific callbacks and moments, like that they uh, – it's amazing, the, the recollection and the recall and – uh, it's kind of, to some extent, working in English football, you know, w for when people go for the first time, they don't necessarily understand it and they don't necessarily even know the chance the fans are doing or the connection the fans in England the, have with the football matches. But like you can say, wow, these people are so into it and connect with it. And then it makes you want to learn and become a part of it. And I do think that's what we have with our audience. When we were watching it on TV, like the both of us, we start laughing anytime there's like, you know, something that's deliberately done to like pop the crowd or get a big reaction. And then there's just reaction shots of fans. And, I, you know, I'm a wrestling fan for 35 years. And I'm like, I still love that. I still love <laughs> seeing when the guys you, freaking yeah, out. Yeah, you see somebody just react genuinely yeah, yeah. Yeah. to it. So. And on a macro level, when you see the whole place come unglued for a moment, I mean, there's nothing better. Yep. All right, great. Well, I'm looking forward to it. It's good talking to you, man. You too. Thanks for having me in your home. This you is awesome. bet. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Thanks, man. I can't wait to see you tomorrow. <laughs> Okay, the next day we went to the AEW Dynamite show in Los Angeles, and while we were backstage, we caught up with our old friend Colt Cabana. Colt was a guest back on episode 334, and he was also on my IFC show, Marin. Now he works for AEW, and we had this conversation in catering. Good. Check, check. Cool. Utah. Hey, man, one, two, one, two. Colt yeah, Cabana. Yeah, good. Backstage. Hey, Colt Cabana. Unreal. I mean, geez, how long has it been since I talked to you? This is uh, this is like the update. This is what everybody wanted. Yeah, I, I mean, it's been years. When did I talk to Colt, man? 2012, 2013. I, if I was to guess, it was 2013. Yeah. And we're keeping the streak alive of never being to the garage. Because it was in like an oh, Evanston hotel. Do you remember? That's right, dude. When I was playing uh, the uh, that little theater. 
With the main stage. The main stage, which I don't think is a theater anymore. And when no. you did uh, Marin the show, you were in the fake garage, right? That's, that fake is garage. Well, I, well, what are you going to do? But the, but the point <laughs> is, the last time I talked to you, you were kind of like a, a, a little star of this groovy, hip indie wrestling network. And and it's wild wow. that you're here. This is the baby. Like now you're the you well, both the baby, but this is big time. Yeah, but it, it's it was from the scene of like my group of guys. Now it yeah. wasn't necessarily me because it was the Young Bucks yeah. and Kenny Omega essentially that kind of got with Tony. But yeah. like you know the Young Bucks wrote a book, and in their book they said like they took the blueprints of Cole Cabana of like selling T-shirts of like of one on you know one on one. Yeah, and then they. Like I thought, I remember I thought I was doing good, yeah. and then I watched the Young Bucks get so big, and I watched their line, their merch line, literally like it, like seven hundred people around a building just for merch, right? And so then it became this thing, and now it's this thing, and and luckily I'm along for the ride, and uh, it's well, yeah, fun. I mean you got in under the wire there, huh? <laughs> I, I really did, <laughs> especially at, like at my age, as my body's falling apart. I told you that. Yeah, but what happened? Like, uh, so how did it happen? How did you get the gig? I mean, I'm just part of the community. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm part of the, the cult. Like, this is, like, the opposite of what the other wrestling... You know what I'm saying? Like, this is... This was the young, hungry guys. The That's now... It's counterculture of counterculture. That's, so that's interesting. So this is all the guys that you were wrestling yes. with on the Indies. And in front of 100 people, 200 people. Uh, sometimes 10,000 in Japan. They wouldn't, right. they wouldn't let us in America. Right. And right. And so... For years, a, we, for years, we were saying like, "Why won't you look at us and think that we're good?" Yeah, anybody, right? And Tony Khan like was Did able it. to do that. And you're, and now there's another Jew. <laughs> yes. We, well, I feel bad. Like Max is such a star now. MJF. Yeah. I'm like the sad older Jew now. Well, I mean, but it's good that we're That's represented. <laughs> there's, there's a new upstart Jew and a sad older Jew. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, it is. Fun to represent the chosen people, sure, man. of course. I'm happy for you. Well, I'm happy for you. I, first and, of all, uh, well, I love that you've got you got thrown into wrestling. <laughs> I did, dude. And when I heard you like talking to um, to Kia and to Chavo, yeah, and I'm like, oh, he's like he gets it now. He's been doing the wrestling show, but like I didn't I didn't fully get it until like yesterday, because like he sat down with me as a fan, mm -hmm. a lifelong fan. Of, of pro wrestling, and we sat down and watched some of these matches. Mm. Like, I never did that with, with Glow. You know, it was, I, I nev never felt the pressure to because I wasn't really supposed to know about wrestling. <laughs> and, but, like, just to, to sort of see how it all worked in real time, I've never been to one of these, mm -hmm. but we watched them, and I was sort of like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. It kind of it all locked together. Like, I understand how you can be emotionally attached to wrestling, well, and and you appreciate the performance. That's right. You have yeah, to. it's real show business, especially as a performer. That's right. It's real show business. Yeah, and so you're going to watch it in person tonight. Yeah, yeah. Which I think you'll get a whole new. So I can't wait to hear the after part of this because you'll yeah. get a to be up front and really watch the people as they're sweating and watch how they direct the crowd. Yeah. in the ring. Yeah, you know, you'll get a whole new appreciation. Yeah, which I, makes I, me happy. Are we, do we have good seats? We better have good seats. I, if you don't, I can. All right, thanks. I know so, a guy. Well, we might we might text you. Uh, please do. Thanks, buddy. Hey, um, congratulations on all your successes. Thanks, buddy. It's you the too. best. It's yeah. the best.
We found out some behind-the-scenes secrets about how AEW operates. For example, sometimes a referee is not just a referee. We met Bryce Remsburg backstage, and on camera, he's a ref, but his work doesn't end there. Uh, Bryce is, uh, what would you say your title is while you're here? Are you one of the senior officials? Oh, one of the more senior officials. One of the top six we have. So what you saw Bryce do was the ma- he refereed the steel cage match with Jungle Boy. Oh, that's true. That's a true fact of that. When Which, he dove off the cage and shattered his hip. and that, That's yeah. right. And Br- Bryce, w- I mean, we made note while we were watching it. You're like, wow, this guy's really reacting to everything, even though he's not allowed to do anything. It's a cage match. I'm the, I'm the voice of the audience. If someone's jumping off a cage in front of me, I feel compelled to react. I guess right, but I mean, but do you you don't have to stop anything? No, 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 no. They sign up for this. this, this <laughs> who would want that, right? Who, who wants to see me stop this? <laughs> yeah, let them go. Yeah, yeah. I'm also the travel manager uh, for AEW, which is uh, a harder job, uh, which involves higher numbers than ten or twenty. What but does that mean? Uh, making sure everyone gets here on time, booking oh. hotels, booking flights, shuttles, car service, etc. All that. You got to do all that shit and get in the ring. <laughs> get in the is, ring. is the payoff to get in the ring? Oh yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. That, that, that's what I want to do. You're a wrestler. At, at I was a referee on the Independence yeah. for 17 years, okay. and this started. So if I also have to talk to some uh, hotels on the phone and, and able to get in there and, and do that, that, that wait, scratches so, the itch. Wait, so you uh, you arrange travel for all 50 of these? 150 guys? is our number, yeah. 150? About 90 wrestlers, 60 staff, referee, social media, medical, security, all that. That's all. That's all you? I have a team, but I'm the manager, yeah. And you do and the Tony, refing. Tony's car service and Tony's uh, planes and everything. Yep. But do you? Are you sad you're not wrestling? No, no. I'm <laughs> fragile emotionally uh-huh. and physically, Mark. I uh-huh. don't want to do any of that. But you I, used I am to? a proxy. No, I, I I refereed on small stuff. Are you ref? It's kind of like stand up, I'd imagine. Sure. You work through the smaller stuff, and now yeah. you get to do the the big time stuff. So you, but you I don't want to get hurt. You're always, always ref. just a ref, yes, sir. I'm short. I make I make guys look tall. Yeah. I'm five five. So That's if I your stand job? next to Darby or Jungle Boy. They're, they look like giants. That's my job. So now, do you, these guys don't travel together, though. No, no, no. We all They all fly from wherever they live at home, and they come to wherever we are. Yeah. Sometimes L.A. easy. Next week, Fresno. Yeah. Well, not as easy, but we, we get there. Yeah. Now, what are you doing tonight? I am going to referee Jungle Boy and Hook's tag team match, and the aforementioned Darby Allen is wrestling on Rampage, I believe, later tonight. So, so I'll two, be in there. I'll be in two there. Where matches? are you, you going to be? Uh, I'll be wrestling. No, <laughs> in the main event? You'll be wrestling with your emotions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know where we're sitting, but I'll be here. All right. Yeah. All right. What, what, a, what, a, what a time to be alive. Yeah. Yes. Do you find what? a great crossover from wrestling psyche and self-doubt and stand-up comedians? Not Even when you get to the highest point of everything? I don't know. You know, just from talking to these guys, I don't know that many wrestlers, but it seems like some of the dues-paying process is similar. Sure. Uh, in terms of venue size yep. and and sort of getting your act together, you make you, f- you feel like you earned it. You feel like you earned it, but also you, you learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, in smaller rooms mm-hmm. and in smaller crowds. And after talking to uh, Chris Jericho, you know, just uh, you know, learning how to work off the crowd sure. and, and how that sort of feeds mm-hmm. what you're doing. So I I yeah, I think more of a similarity in you know that knowing that this is all show business mm-hmm. and the dues process is very similar. Yep. It's yep. a lot less physical uh, to be a comic. Sure, sure. Yeah. But Unless the the, the, yeah. the, the sleep, crummy hotels and flight delays and that's the same, that's that's part of the gig. All that's part of it. Yeah. yeah. But you know, we are kind of these guys are kind of solo operators as well, but you know, ultimately the show is with other people. Sure. Whereas that's not the case. I'm so jealous of you. You just need a, a mic stand and a that's stool it. and a bottle of water that's and we have it. this whole 
pr- production yeah. with the ring. Did yeah, you get in the no, ring? The, Did you get in the ring? I didn't get in the ring. But some guys uh, these days are doing pretty big productions. Yeah. Stand up. So yeah, sure. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah, Kevin Hart. Yeah, that's a that's a big operation. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Another short guy. Yeah. <laughs> Good talking to you. Good talk to you. Thank you, sir. So the day after the show, Brendan came over to the garage and we got on the mics to talk about the whole experience. You'll hear that now, along with our talks with wrestlers MJF and Eddie Kingston. You know, to be honest with you, the whole experience, uh, backstage, watching the stuff first, and then being there at the show, I mean, I totally get it. And I totally uh, was invested mm-hmm. in it, um, even when we watched the stuff in the living room. Mm. Like, just you telling me the background of the people. And something quick for me, and I think, did we talk about it on the mics? I, I, something quick for me in that I can understand not unlike a musical, like with my weird thing about musicals, mm-hmm. is that when you see a lot of people executing something that they're doing properly— it's moving, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So even when we were watching it in the living room, I, I sort of got the beats. And when you explain the structure of a match, I got that. But just the fact that, you know, like, oh, he made it. You know, he landed on the thing, you know. Uh, there's something exciting about that. But watching it live, I felt uh, the same kind of emotions I feel that are not really explained when an arc sort of worked, like they mm-hmm. they have a build to it, mm-hmm. right? So when they're doing the finale of moves, um, you know, I I could feel like you know almost tear up. Yeah, I mean, like, and I also noticed when we were backstage that the 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 thing that struck me, even talking to the wrestlers, is that they're like I'm intimidated by you know athleticism mm-hmm. by that competitive nature of. Sports. I it's wouldn't like really your, know how to be in a locker room. Right. It's like your old joke about how if you see a teenager walking with a varsity jacket on yeah, like, one oh, side of the street, you be like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but there's that. But also, just it's it's so not my world. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't even understand. You know, why it's important uh, in the sense that, like, I get they're going to go win, and there's you know, there the the goal is the sport, and these guys are at, in top shape to do a sport. But these guys, you know, they're big guys. And I'm sure they have sports in their past, some of them, but they're they're very aware that they're they're part of show business. Yes, you know you're not you're not going to have that vibe in a football locker room, like you know we're just putting on a show. Right, right. You know, like these guys are very much are putting on a show. They're not backstage psyching each other out. Right. You know, it's just like a, it's like a fucking circus back there. Well, I, we should tell people how we saw all of this, how it kind of developed for us as as witnesses yeah. to it. When we when we were you know showed up to the arena, the first thing we got to see, we were uh, in the bowl of the arena, the the forum. Yeah. And it was you know pre show. It was about. Uh, three hours before they opened the doors or to or before the show started yeah and the wrestlers a lot of them were in the ring talking through that's right what their match was going to be that specifically night. that closer the, it the looked like that match. was what we were going that was what was happening when we were that's right got there is they had the ladder in there that's right and there was a lot of discussion. And so we watched that for a while. We watched, you know, just kind of what they were setting up. Then we we went uh, backstage to the forum club uh, to have uh, where there was a kind of sitting area right. so that we could sit and do some of the interviews. 
and that was with uh, with with Max MJF, who was yep. the champion, and uh, we knew he, he was going to come in and do basically a gimmick interview in character. There, interview. There, it's funny though; he's talking normal. Yeah. And and uh, and I'm like, so this is going to stop right when we go on. He's like, oh yeah, I'm going to be the biggest douchebag Jew from Long Island that you ever met. Yeah, right. The worst Jewish person from Long Island. Well, now hold on a second. I'm what? salt of the earth. You don't get to say that about me. Well, I mean, I just the fans say, can say that. You don't get to say that. Yeah, but Mark. I mean, aren't you helping Jews? I I'd like to think so. Yeah. You know, when you think about Jewish people, normally they're very schleppy, yeah. dirty looking, kind of like you. Yeah. But you know, I'm trying to break now, the mold. Wait, wait, wait. wait. No, back, well, up. back up. Let's back up. Back up. I think that I'm half a half nerdy, half uh, stocky. I'd like a hybrid not, Jew. Uh, that's right. Hybrid yeah. Jew, not full okay. nebbish, not full yeah. nebbish. You're not like all the way. To the to the no, right, I mean, athletic like Goldberg. That's right, that's right. But you're not all the way to the left, Don Rickles. That's right. Well, I'm not a math Jew. I'm a, okay. you know I'm in the middle. Lord, let me tell you something. I'm yeah. definitely not a math Jew. I can tell <laughs> yeah, you that yeah. much. So uh, besides when, counting my money, but uh, of course. Now, do you find how do Jews respond to you? Jews love me. Yeah, they do. Me? I'm the mensch of the cinch. Yeah. <laughs> you kidding me? I'm, I'm over as I'm over as fuck with the truth. How about Israelis? Do Israelis like you? Israelis, yeah, dude. <laughs> if you're a Jew, you you love MJF because if you think about it, I'm really the first prolific world champion that just so happens to be Jewish. Yeah. In the history of the business, that is good at talking and wrestling. Yeah. Love Bill Goldberg to death, but you put a mic in front of his mouth, he kind of has a you know yeah. a bit of a panic attack. Does uh, now how many Jews have the, is there a history of Jews <laughs> in wrestling? Not really. No. Uh, there's not a lot of us, as you would imagine. Most of us are known for being dentists, doctors, lawyers. Yeah. There's been some or sports. stand-up comedians. That's right, but there's been a few sports Jews. No, for sure. Actually, yeah. my great great uncle, yeah. Benny Friedman, yeah, is in the uh, NFL Hall of Fame. He was a quarterback. Was he? Uh, you know, I know there were Jew boxers. Uh, Chewbacca's Jew boxers. I'm just fucking with you. Yes, yes, there were definitely Jewish boxers for sure. Was this the dream? Pro wrestling? Yes. From the jump. My two biggest things I wanted to do since I was a child was professional wrestling and then parlay that into uh, acting. But when did you start watching wrestling? I started watching wrestling probably when I was six. Yeah. And I remember what had happened was my uh, my father uh, took me to my uncle's house and there was just a party going on on a Friday. Yeah. And uh, SmackDown was playing at yeah. the time. WWE SmackDown. And I remember just seeing these gigantic men and I was just so enamored by it. These dudes just beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> yeah. And I remember I just grabbed my dad. I was yeah. like, take me to Hollywood video. <laughs> so now if anyone's listening and you don't know what Hollywood video is. Yeah, I remember. I'm shocked somebody's listening that's younger than me. I was born in 96. But yes, now Hollywood videos don't really exist anymore. But so he took me to Hollywood video. I grabbed one of the DVD box sets. And there was a guy in the cover that looked like a zombie. Yeah. And I watched it. And that guy turned out to be The Undertaker. Right. And my first match I ever watched in full was a Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this March match. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's, it was intense. Mick Foley got thrown from the top of the cell to the floor. Is that what did him in? Um, I mean, I think a lot of things did that guy in. Yeah. He, he's definitely, he's wrote some great stuff. He's oh, a great yeah. author. Yeah. But uh, his brain is mush. a couple times. We yeah. The guy. yeah. He's, he's just beat up physically. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Beat up physically, yeah. mentally, emotionally. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, hot daughter though yeah. I'll give him that Does Noel's it? hot well, Aren't you concerned That you're gonna get Beat up physically Mentally Mark, Emotionally Mark What Please yeah. Listen to me Let me explain something to you Yeah right I don't wrestle often Yeah I'm what they call A special attraction uh -huh. Kind of like Andre the Giant Okay Just not necessarily as tall Yeah just uh, Yeah uh, I think he was a Jew Wasn't he Andre no? definitely okay. not okay. Definitely French Okay Not Jewish Alright um, but we can forget about that. But so you're not concerned about your well-being. You're I'm, I'm really not. I wrestle. I wrestle very rarely. Uh, I get paid very well. Yeah. Uh, because when I do wrestle, people really tune in because I'm 
such a hot commodity and I rarely wrestle, I mainly, if I'm being honest with myself, yeah. I run my mouth a little bit. Right. That's what I'm known for. But so, but not wrestling? I mean, you wrestle, I mean- I'm it, very good. I'm the world champion. Of I course, I'm good it. at but, professional but how wrestling. How do you do that by not wrestling often? Well, now I have the title, so I don't have to defend the belt unless somebody becomes number one contender. Is it, isn't it my understanding that the uh, that the guys like you mm-hmm. eventually get schooled? What are you talking about? I mean, <laughs> Me? I mean, yeah, I mean, how could I possibly be schooled? I'm the but, smartest man in professional wrestling. But someone's going to beat you, right? Mark, that's impossible. All right. You sound very foolish right no, now. No, I, I, I apologize. I, maybe I'm just, uh, I don't know enough. You're just, you're a little green around the ears when it comes to professional wrestling. That's, that's, that's fine. All right. But what guys like me are known yeah. for is we win the world title and people chase us forever and a day and then we retire and we, you know, <laughs> we retire undefeated. Yeah, that's it. That's, I mean, that's pretty much tale as old as time. Now, you know? right, what Bad about, guy not getting his comeuppance. What about the acting future? Is that going to happen? So yeah. actually, I, I, uh, I had just booked a role and just finished rapping with a movie called Iron Claw. Is it um, a wrestling movie? It is. Uh, it's about the Von Erichs. Yeah. It was uh, me and Zac Efron and um, Colt McAllister and Jeremy Allen White. Did you play a wrestler? I did. Shockingly. Did you play a, a douchebag or? So you would call the guy that I played a douchebag. His name was uh, Lance Von Eric. Yeah. And he may or may not have held up the promoter for money. Who's to say? Oh, this is like old timey wrestling. It's oh, a yeah. true story. This is, this is back in the day. This is retro wrestling in Texas. It is a, it's based on a true story. Did you do a Texan accent? No, absolutely oh, not. All right. No, I don't mess around with I don't. I don't want to sound dumb, personally. I don't know. If you're from the South, I apologize that you're dumb, but I don't like sounding Southern. Um, you grew up on Long Island? Of course I did. What town? It's the most magical place in the world. I grew up in Plainview, yeah. and now I own an apartment in the uh, the Golden Coast over at Glen Cove. What, oh, is that nice? Oh, it's the, you kidding me? I had, I, I, I had cousins in Hewlett. Oh, yeah. I like that. Okay. Yeah. So you don't come from horrible stock. No, I come from Jew stock. Good. Jersey City Jews. Well, yeah, uh, maybe we don't talk about that. Maybe we don't talk about where that. you yeah, come yeah, from. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, they moved to where you came from. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What they want so their life you, to get better. What was your uh, dad a doctor? Did you grow up with a Porsche? My fa- well, I, <laughs> my first car was a Camaro, not a Porsche. Okay. I'm actually about to get a Porsche in February. Yeah. It's a uh, GTS Taycan. Oh, really? Neon green. Well, you ordered it? Of course I did. You ordered the neon green one? Neon green. Tycon. Yeah. yeah. Green like money, baby. I don't know like what baby. that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So a Tycon, it's, uh, they're, it's their only electric uh, vehicle. Oh, you got an electric port. Yes, I did. Well, good luck I, with I that. Like, I mean, I did. What? <laughs> what? Sorry. It'll be fine. I, you think, know I, mean? I think it'll be fine. I mean, you know, I, you just seem like a you know, like a gas guy. That's the thing, is a lot yeah. of people would think that. Yeah. But I'm very smart with my money. Yeah. And gas prices these days, oh, as you would know as an LA boy, sure, through the roof. Terrible. Terrible. Horrible. First car was a Camaro, though, huh? First car was a Camaro. So what did, What was? What kind of business was your old man in? So my father yeah. made paleo bagels. He, really? Uh, he works for me now. Yeah. Uh, he, he works for you making bagels? Now, no, now. Now he's done with the bagels. He's sold the business. <laughs> yeah. God bless Wait, him. What do you mean paleo bagels? They're like, called bagels. That that was his big idea. That was his big that was his big thing, and How he made a decent do? made a decent chunk of change off yeah. Of that. Oh yeah, Jewish people love their bagels, and Long Island Jews love their diets. So right. you mix those two things together, we're so talking a lot of money. How do you make a, a paleo bagel? Uh, so we found out about the stuff called cassava flour. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would use that. He would utilize that to make the bagels. But, and now, is it a kind of bagel where you bit into it and you're like, not great, but let it's me tell paleo. you, I'm about to shock you. Yeah, all right. Just as good as a regular bagel, and that's coming from a Long Island Jew. Really, they did. He boil it in the water and bake it. He figured it out. I don't know how he did it. Guy's a mad scientist when it comes to really? bagels. He so what's he out. do for you? So now he's just managing my money. Oh, really? Hundred percent. You trust him? Um, not really. 
but somebody's got to give that schmuck a job, you know? And then my mom, she's yeah. in the steel industry. Yeah? Yeah. She works for a company called BNS Aircraft. She she co-owns the company with my uncle, Alan yeah. Weissman. Yeah. So, yeah. If you ever need steel or metal. Was that, the, it was that Trump's guy who just got put in jail? I no? doubt it. <laughs> oh, Weisselberg. Weisselberg. What do I know? Another, Jews. yeah, another long-nosed Jewish guy. <laughs> so, now, do you find any... Uh, G actual anti-semitism coming at you <laughs> oh yeah yeah i've had i've had death threats i've had nazi emblems keyed into my car really when i was on the indies you would hear kike a lot more often than you than i've heard it here but i think that's only because the arenas are so loud if there is someone screaming kike i just can't hear it right there's so many people booing me because yeah. they have bad taste mark yeah um well, that's kind of interesting right did you ever find it menacing or you still thought it was all part of the gimmick quite frankly so i think the in the underbelly of society and I think you would agree with this. Yeah. Anti-Semitism has always been rampant. Of course. That's why we're kind of always like, oh shit, you got the cough, gotta be the Jews. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. Uh, Jewish people is always sure. The, sure. the scapegoat. Yeah. So I think this Kanye thing kind of unearthed it all over right. again. Yeah. And I found that really interesting to see how many people were in the replies like, you know, he's not wrong. Yeah. And you're just reading it and at first, you're just baffled by the stupidity. Right. But then you have to remind yourself, no, anti-Semitism is rampant, but it's not as fun to talk about as, say, um, other ethnicities going through it, for yeah. whatever reason. Well, that's because most people don't know Jews. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, other ethnicities are more represented in culture. I'd say you, so. you got to go find a Jew. Yeah. We're hiding. <laughs> yeah. We're hiding writing. Always. We're uh, writing hiding. for the, the anti-Semites <laughs> is yeah. what we're doing. But in I, mean, I like in comedy though. I be, I go out of my way now, like to really kind of uh, make a big deal out of the Jew thing. I just love to it. Annoy whatever people might be anti-Semitic. Yeah. I like to get people to just get to a point where they're like, "We get it, Jew." Yeah. You know what? I think I think we're gonna get along great. Sure. Because that's what I love to do. <laughs> that's actually exactly what I love to but do. But what are you gonna do tonight? I, oh, this is my first live wrestling show. Oh my god. Are you gonna? I'm so you're sorry. Not, you're gonna you're have to deal wrestling. with everybody else except me. Yeah. No, I'm just gonna go out there and talk and be the biggest star in the entire show, like I am every week. Sure. That's why I get paid yeah. high seven figures. You're the guy. Eh, pff, you fucking kidding me, Mark? <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't don't be stupid. Uh, so I'm gonna go out there. Yeah. Entertain the crowd like nobody else's business. Yeah. I know that there are a bunch of you know highfalutin people here in L.A. Are there? Who's coming? And uh, they got a lot of interesting people sure. around here. Sure. Apparently, people like you, Ken yeah. Jong, Freddie Prince Jr., Macaulay Culkin. Uh, Paul Walter Hauser. Those are a couple of people that I know that Paul's are here. Paul's going to be here? Paul's okay. a great guy. He's a good guy. Paul's a great guy. You have to really text him. Yeah. He, just, he just texted me the other day. Paul's a huge MJF fan. Yeah. I mean, who the, who the fuck is it, Mark? But, me. But he was me. I'm huge, just learning. I'm uh, trying buddy, to get now in. Now you are. Trying to get in. Yeah, yeah. Trying Confirm. to get into it. I'm not too late, am I? Confirm. Do I have to be seven? You're never too late. Okay. And if anybody tells you that you have to be young to enjoy this, I think it's silly. And, and I'm now... I'm going to get real serious with okay. you on this. All right. I think now more than ever, professional wrestling is this incredible thing because it's not only is it this crazy form of athleticism, but it's also in a sense is you're, you're seeing us where we are, we are performing this sport with no net. Yeah. And there's no backup plan and there's no way to mess up. Whereas yeah. if I sit down and I go to see a stand up comic, right. And they're they're shit in the bed. They can maybe figure out a way to get around it, and it's probably not being recorded live for the world to see while it's happening. Right. But we're alive every single week. We go we go without a net sometimes, and yeah, but I mean, but I guess when we fuck up, not the whole world the doesn't risk, see it. Right now, so the Just risk a, is not you're you're gonna drop a guy. Oh yeah, the risk isn't that you're gonna be <laughs> yeah, a paraplegic. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, when you do this, uh, when you do the the matches, I mean, you got bits you do. 
Right? Well, I mean, what about? do you call them? I mean, I'll bite I, people from now and then, but if only it's I mean, it's when you chart it out, you know what you're going to open with mostly? Like, oh. yeah, as a comic, you know. Personally, like, yeah. I'm a shoot from the hip type of guy. Yeah. Oh, really? I say what I'm feeling. I feel what but I'm I mean, saying. But I mean, like, with moves, like with actual wrestling. With the with the moves, when I'm in there, you know, yeah. I have to I have to study my opponent, study their movement, figure out what's what openings I have. Yeah. Is their arm hurt? Is their fucking yeah, finger yeah, hurt? Is their yeah. knee hurt? Yeah. And that's where you then you got to go for it. Do you ever use, uh, you know, weaponry? So you're not you're not going to tell anybody this, no, right? No, I'm not. All right, no. thank God. So sometimes, yeah. if I'm a little worried, yeah, I have a ring that I put in my trunks, yeah, and I put it on my pinky, yeah, and I punch the guy out with it when the ref's not looking. All right, and it works every time. Like, yeah, yeah, every time. So you you cheat? What? I mean, is that that's what are part you of it? About? I, I, it? I think I slightly bend the rules. All right, to my advantage. Yeah, right. Yeah, we have to. You have to. Yeah. I'm not trying to get hurt. How really was, do uh, I say. How was your bar mitzvah? Was it good? Oh, Maximania? Are you yeah. kidding me? It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. 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 We, had, you... we had dancing luchador females. Uh-huh. Their tatas were out. It yeah. was all kosher, that, though. That was your bar mitzvah party? Oh, Wrestling yeah. theme? Wrestling theme. Yeah. That's hilarious. Now, did you do the full thing Friday and Saturday? Um, did, did no, no, no. One, one day gimmick. Oh, one Red day. in the morning. Yeah. Party in the party in the evening. That was it? Yeah. Did the half tour and yeah, you Yeah, get it in, get out. Let's How'd get to the party. Make some money? So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how Jewish grandparents and cousins yeah. are. They yeah. were great. They they treated me well that night That's for sure. Good. Brothers and sisters. I have two older siblings. Yes. Uh-huh. And are they? Uh, how do they judge you? Are they proud of you? They're definitely. I think they're definitely proud of the fact. I think they knew I was going to make something of myself to this degree. I yeah. don't think any of them could have guessed it. Sure. Are they doctors or lawyers or no. anything? So Carly, my. The middle sister. Yeah. She's in like business and finance. Yeah. And then Alex is actually in fashion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like as a designer or just. She's a designer. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Does she done any uh, trunks for you or anything? No, no, no. I won't let her anywhere near my shit. She's horrible at her job, but you know, she's trying. She's trying her best. God bless her. How are you going to get the Nazis not to key your uh, green Porsche? So the good news is, is now I get, I get flown out. Okay. And I have a driver. Okay. So I never drive my own car when we're doing these uh these we're going to different arenas in different states every week. But back on the island you just you'll drive it. Back, back on the, the island, yeah. I'll, I'll drive my car in the yeah, car. Yeah, but everybody yeah. loves me in Long Island. I'm, sure. I'm a welcome to you. Are you a hero? One thousand percent. Uh-huh. You know, I get booed everywhere else because everybody else has bad taste. Yeah. We come to Long Island, everybody in Long Island knows the deal. They know I'm the best thing since sliced bread. Uh-huh. So you're just so you're like up. Billy Joel. I guess so, yeah. yeah. I'd say much more attractive than Bill, but... I would hope so at yeah. this point. Yeah, right? Give it time. Yeah, well, yeah, shit. It's a good so, point. Uh, time gets us all. All right, so tonight you're just going to get up there and start some shit? Maybe. We'll all see right. how I'm feeling. It was good talking to you. I know it was, Mark. All right. <laughs> and we talked to uh, Eddie Kingston. Yeah, Eddie, we, we talked to him specifically because I um, had read a piece that uh, that he had put together for the website, the Players Tribune, a piece largely about his mental health issues. Right. And but it in the piece he kind of outlined his trajectory as a as a wrestler. And I remember reading it months ago when it came out and thinking like, wow, there's so many parallels here to, uh, you know, people we've had on this show talking about struggling with comedy, yeah. specifically Mark. Like, you know, there were you talking about those hell gigs where you sure. know, there's nobody in the crowd. And, and we've discussed that with wrestlers before. Yeah. I mean, that that was you know we knew that that was a similarity, but I think what I didn't. What I had to put together, that not unlike the experience of as a fan like you or somebody watching, is that this gives these guys, you know, who you know are probably not emotionally that healthy, 
uh, you know, a very specific context to have extreme emotions. Yes. Of all kinds. Right, right. You know, in character and, and also physicality. Right. You know, they make these decisions. So not unlike a fan who's experiencing a wave of emotions and, you know, personality, identification, transference, you know, hero worship, all that stuff, or having the arc of uh, an emotional experience to any match, uh, these guys, you know, have this controlled performative way to sort of really get the shit out. Yes. You know how to handle a mic. I try. <laughs> yeah, hold Some, it up. Sometimes to... they trust us, sometimes they don't. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah there you go. Especially right when I want to curse on live TV, which is not a good thing. Yeah. Sometimes. You know, I use curses as like, you know, yeah, yeah. adjectives or whatever. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in New York. You I know, already know like. how it is. You yeah. speak the language. You're in the know. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say, when they came to us about doing this with AEW and, you know, working with our show, uh, you know, they give us the whole list of people to, to do stuff with. And I said, no, actually, I want Eddie Kingston. Like, oh, that's, that's that. the guy who matches up the closest with what we do on this show. And <laughs> No, no, not MJF, our world champion. He yeah, just came in. So, I mean, yeah. he was going to Bigfoot yeah, him no matter what, a, I guess. Yeah, he's a real piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. I don't know why he's the champ, but he, he'll hear this anyway, and he'll cry about it to Tony. <laughs> then I'll get an email from Mega HR. Yeah. And they'll be like, Ed, you can't be calling our world champion a piece of shit. And I'll be like, well, if he doesn't act like a piece of shit, I wouldn't call him that. But, you know. But he, you know that. Isn't that his job to act like a piece of shit? Not backstage to the boys. <laughs> oh, you know really? I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a low life man. He's a young kid who just thinks he knows it all and he doesn't. <laughs> Fuck him. I don't give a shit. What are you gonna do? Fire me? Okay. I'll, yeah. yeah. I'll work, I'll work somewhere and make money. It doesn't bother me. But yeah, but your your journey to where you are yeah. was uh it was fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you grew up. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Yonkers, New York. I was born in the Bronx, uh, University Avenue, but then grew up in Yonkers. Yeah. And I mean, because I read a piece on you, and it was like, you know, I kind of related to it because I, I did stand up for, you know, a long time yeah. before anything happened. And you get to that point where you're like, fuck. What's gonna, is, when is this going to pop off? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you like, you hit the wall. Yeah. And then you're just tired and you're done and you don't know what yeah. to do. And then you're like, for me, it was during the pandemic. And yeah, yeah. I was selling my clothes, my wrestling gear oh my on God. eBay or wherever. But did you have, like, you had fans at that point? Yeah, so I had independent fans. Yeah. So I was getting money, but it was still like, I'm trying to pay for the mortgage in Florida. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Oh, you were in Florida. Yeah, too. yeah. And what I'm part of Florida? Orlando. Yeah, that's not a happy place. I like it because no one knows me. And I'm just in my backyard and smoking a little bit of weed See, and no one knows me. So you live down there now? Yeah, I live down there now. They're yeah. going to get mad at me. Like I'm like, I'm like the biggest heel to Orlando because like, I, I talk shit about it and they just always yell at me. Well, I don't blame you because during the pandemic, I went to the 7-Eleven. The pandemic just started. Yeah. Just started. I go to the 7-Eleven. I'm wearing my mask and everything. Yeah. No one in there is. Yeah. Nobody. Well, well, there's that, but I, I kind of get stuck in like the, the theme park thing. If you just oh. go to Orlando and all you experience is the theme park, then they hate you because they're like, you didn't go out and get a hamburger. You didn't go out and do this no, or that. Yeah, I don't go out. Thank God for Uber Eats. When I get home from the road, it's five guys and Ben and Jerry's from 7-Eleven. That's it. But what were you doing? Like, When did you leave New York? Oh, man. Uh, da, 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 da. I was 30. Three thirty-four. Met a girl. Yeah, but you started wrestling when you were in New York. Ah, uh, yeah, I was twenty years old when I started wrestling. Yeah. Wait, how did that happen? Was just something you always uh, wanted to do? Always or? wanted to do it, and then I was iron working. 
yeah. in the city for local 580. What's up, boys? Yeah. And uh, so you got a, you were a union guy. Yeah, I was my whole family's union, all elevated. Iron local workers? one, no local one. Yeah. My uncle Kevin Moore, rest in peace. He was an uh, iron worker. Now were but, you like up on like yeah yeah know, sitting on the 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 girders. Yeah, that and the what are the hoist and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah hanging yeah. off the side of the building, welding, putting windows in, all that stuff. Holy yeah. shit! So I just turned around and I saw like a 70, 80 year old guy. Yeah, who's been on the job, God knows how long. Right, and he's just coughing up a lung and yeah, drinking on the job site. And yeah. I went, and I'm smoking my cigarette, going, yeah. uh, there gotta be something more than this. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I just got AOL. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm older. Yeah, and I just looked up wrestling schools near me. And which, I found which one did you go to? I went to one in Jersey. They kicked me out. Uh-huh. You know, I'm a New York kid. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not going to hold my tongue. I didn't know I had to be yeah. what the, whatever professional, I guess they call it. Right, you know right, what I mean? right, right. Like if I saw someone who was being an asshole, I was like, oh, you're an asshole. But they're like, yeah. oh, he's been in the business this amount of years. You can't be mean like that. Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? But anyway, yeah. got kicked out of there. Went to a place in uh, Pennsylvania called Chikara. Yeah. Where a lot of us are from. Yeah. A lot of the AEW people. They trained there? Yeah. They learned? Yeah, they all learned from there and then just took off. And what do you learn? Mostly, do you, do you learn how to put together a persona or just moves? For me, it wasn't the persona. You already had I that. was just me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. This yeah. is me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They teach you how to tell a story. Okay. Not just what moves to do, but how to tell it. Like, you know what I mean? like you know, how do you put that together in your head? Like you're you're going on tonight. You yeah, tonight. Me, tonight. I don't I don't talk about it. Oh, I just, like because yeah. after 21 years in, not that I know it, it's yeah. just after 21 years in, I don't remember a lot of things. So right. You can't tell me what you're gonna do because I'll forget. Oh really? So yeah. They just got to react. I go listen. We just got to react to yeah. each other and do what we would do in real life if we're in a real fight. So I that, try to keep it in. You know, fresh. Yeah, character. I guess you could say or whatever yeah. you want to call yeah, it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't want to talk to you out there, so I'm not going to talk to you back here. We may go over yeah, little things here and there, but other than that, let's just... So it's just the assumption that everybody can respond to the move you're going to put on them. Yeah. Yeah, we're just going to see what happens. And if they react, they react. If they don't, then we'll go a different way. Right. Now, when he started, though, what was the, uh, you know, what, what was the independent scene like at that time? Oh, it was shitty. Yeah. It was horrible. I was getting like $5 <laughs> a show, $10 a show. And promoters, though, like, did they take advantage of Oh, God, yeah. 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 of course, yeah. The indie scene didn't pop off on the East Coast yeah. until about, I say, 05, 06. Oh, really? And that's when I was, like, a couple of years in, and then there were guys like me, Samoa Joe, Homicide, Brian Danielson, all those guys yeah. made the independence really hot. Right. But, but before, they still screwed you. Yeah, but before, did you see like dudes that like you know who'd been at it too long and that were like sad and? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I feel. I I look like now in the locker room to the guys. I'm just sitting in the corner going, "When are we done with this?" <laughs> but it didn't scare you. It didn't. You didn't make you think like, "No," because I didn't want to do anything for my life. This yeah. was it. Yeah. You know, if I wasn't going to do this, then I was just going to do iron working or whatever. So when shit went bad, what happened? You just dried up. The work dried up. Or ah, uh, COVID hit. And that and was it. everything. That was it. Everything dried up. Yeah. You know, unless you were with the two big companies. Yeah. AEW and the other place. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you didn't have it, you were just home. Yeah. Waiting. And, and how did you get this gig? I mean, how did you? I, mean, I talked a lot of shit. Okay. I had uh, an independent show finally. Yeah. Uh, after out, COVID. Out in New York. Yeah. yeah. Out after COVID. And uh, I just grabbed the microphone one day and I said, hey, uh, Cody Rhodes had a thing going here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, open challenge. Yeah. So I said, hey, Cody, all these guys that you're fighting are kids. I'm yeah. a grown man. Yeah. All this stuff. And then it caught wind on Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah. And I was like, okay. And <laughs> then they called me in and uh, 
They were like, oh, we want to bring you in to wrestle Cody. And the first question I asked was, how much? How much are we getting? Yeah. Because the way I didn't look at it like I was getting a contract. Right. I didn't look at it as a tryout. I oh, you just saw it like a one-nighter? Yeah. I yeah. looked at it like, okay, man, I can pay my mortgage next month, so yeah. I'm good to go. But they signed you. Yeah. Yeah, I got lucky. I had a good dance partner yeah. with Cody, and we beat each other up. And two weeks later, they were like, hey, you... You want a contract? They go, yeah. How much? <laughs> <laughs> and how much? How many matches you do in a week? Oh, for AEW, yeah, it's yeah. just it's once a week on but a Wednesday. You don't go out at. Uh, oh no, I do. I like doing the independence still. Yeah. Because without the independence, I would have went nuts years right. ago. So you just like it to do the shows? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times, uh, uh well, they already announced it a couple of times. I hate it when they do this. I usually yeah. will go there and do a show, but I'll tell them take half my money and give it to a charity. Yeah. That's local. Right. And, like, I tell them not to announce it, just do it. Yeah. And they announced it anyway. So, yeah, that's what I like to do. Oh, yeah. And they're like, really? I'm like, look, you guys kept me fed for years. Right. And yeah. I had nothing, so let me help you back out. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. I don't like being nice, but it happens once in a while. Well, I mean, yeah, you don't have to tell people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, when you go to England, have you been there a lot? Yeah, a couple times, about eight, eight or nine times. And what's the scene like there? Uh, I don't know how it is now after yeah. COVID, but yeah. before COVID, I lived out there for three months. Yeah. And it was every day was yeah. a show. Yeah. Except and for like a Monday we had off. And the fans? Good. Oh, we're insane. I love the fans over there. Now, so th this, you know, this international, right? So they yeah. all know you from this. Yeah. Right? Hopefully they do. Hopefully they know me from this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, they knew me before that, but not a lot. You know what I mean? Like I had a little niche, you know, like yeah. punk rock. Right. I sure. had that little group. Yeah, not yeah. a whole worldwide mass yeah. audience. Where where else do you go internationally? Uh, I'm trying to go back to Japan. Yeah. Yeah. So that I hear that's crazy. Yeah, it's oh, I love the Japanese style is what I'm really into. What makes it different? Uh, it's more it's treated more like a sport. Oh yeah. And it's uh uh harder hitting. But yeah. you know, it's in there. Yeah. That's what I do. I, I'll hit you. You'll know I'm here. I'm not going to hurt you. You'll go home with your, you know, see your wife and kids, but I'm going to, I'm going to let the person in the front row go. God damn. Yeah. Yeah. You know I, mean? I was there at uh, the, the Newark show full gear where oh. you fought uh, Jun Akiyama. Yeah. I mean, obviously like you talk about, you have a reverence for that style and, you know, want to go back there and, but it did feel like that was a very emotional moment for you to oh, yeah. fight that guy. Yeah, it was. Cause like, I saw that guy wrestle when I was 14, 15, and now I'm wrestling him in a ring in Newark, near home, Yeah, on a, with a big company. Yeah. I was like, yeah, of course this is emotional. I didn't think this. Yeah, I thought I was going to be done with wrestling after you know COVID hit. I thought other things too. As a kid, I thought I'd be dead by 26 because the way I was acting. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was just being a punk kid, nothing yeah. crazy, you know? So just to have that moment and I'm facing... Right across the ring from a guy who I idolized. I'm like, this is fucking trippy. We just kept calling each other out. Well, I did on Twitter. Yeah. And I said, oh, this is my dream match. This is my dream match. And it caught wind again on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. And he was just like, yeah, I'll do it. And I was like, that's it? They were like, yeah, he wants to come in. I was like, it was crazy, man. It was nuts. Yeah. Like, at one point, I wanted to take off my boots and go, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Like, nothing's going to beat that. You know what I mean? But I got a lot of people... I don't know, man. I don't look at me doing this for myself when I get frustrated or whatever. With the business, everyone gets frustrated. Sure. I just think of other people. Yeah. Not myself. It's whatever with me. I don't know if you notice. I really am not a... I don't love myself too much, but <laughs> enough. But yeah. I think about my mother, my mama's boy. I think about my father. Yeah. I think about all my friends. So anytime I get all crazy and want to get out of this thing, I think of everyone else. Same thing with Akiyama. I was like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. I don't want to wrestle no more, but... He gave me confidence, and he was like, I believe that 
What did he say? He said, I believe you'll be champion here. And I was like, oh, shit, I guess I got to stay. You yeah. know what I mean? And when you, when you hit the wall, though, were you, you, how was your health? I mean, were you like, you know, just fucked up? Ah, uh, just, you know, mentally fucked up. I guess yeah, you could yeah, say, like, yeah. I talk about mental health a lot because to me, it's a real thing. Sure, of course. You know I mean, I'm on Zoloft, so I yeah. don't, you know what I mean? I chill out. Yeah. But it's a real thing, and I've seen it. I've seen it in my family. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it with a couple of friends I've lost from suicide. Oh, you know really? what I mean? Yeah, so it's yeah. just, mentally, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a struggle, but physically, I feel better than I ever have because now I can afford ice baths and, yeah. oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And saunas. Before that, I couldn't. Ice bath really work? Yeah. Yeah, it what works does it for do? Me. Just you know, uh, brings down the swelling on your body. Oh, okay. You know okay, what I mean. So I'll sure. hop in the ice bath, or after tonight, you yeah. may see me with ice on my shoulders and my neck. Yeah, nothing's wrong. It's just to bring down the swelling. Yeah, because after 21 years of, you know, getting yeah. beat up, it hurts yeah, after yeah. a while. I bet. Yeah. Like, was there a turning point or, a, or something that clicked in that made you go public with things about mental health and awareness? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was being part of AEW and then seeing the reach. Hmm that this company has. Yeah. And I was like, well, if I'm going to talk about it, might as well talk about it now and people will listen. Right. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? And I don't care if people take it and believe in mental health or whatever. Yeah. I really don't care. The people I care about are the people that get it. Yeah. That and, are going through it. And you probably hear back from people, right? Yeah, and it's a little weird. It's yeah. a little weird because like I don't... You save my life. I yeah, thought, I don't... Yeah. That's not me. I don't do things for that. No, I know, but... I just it, do it because it's the right thing to do. You yeah, know I, mean? I get the same reaction with the podcast. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't get into it for that. But when someone writes you an email and says, uh, you know, I probably would have killed myself if it weren't for oh, you. Oh, yeah. That gets it, me. Yeah. That gets me every time because I don't, I don't know. I don't... My mother says this to me all the time. She yeah. goes, you like to give. She goes, you like to give out love. Yeah. But you never like to take it in. She goes, that's the Irish in oh, you. Yeah, I'm yeah. Irish in Puerto Rico. Yeah. So my father's side always gets the bad rep when yeah, I do yeah. something wrong. And they're both still around? Yep. They're both around. Yeah, man. They're they happy. Come? They come to matches? Yeah. They come when, they, when we're in New York. Yeah. Oh, my father cool. just sits there in amazement. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Because he, <laughs> he was always there for me, my dad. He, but yeah. he was tough. Yeah. You know what I mean? He always wanted me to get out at some point and get right. a regular job sure. and all that. But he was always there. Yeah. Always there, you know, to do things for me. So He must be impressed. Yeah, man. He's, he says he's proud of me. And I look at him and go, oh, okay, cool. What the f What? <laughs> I did it. Yeah, I guess so. You know what I mean? Do you feel like you're getting better at taking the love since you have no, a huge fan no, base now? No, I don't. Mm. I don't. There's been nights where I'll be in the hotel room yeah. after like a match. And everyone's loving it. That's why I got rid of Twitter. Yeah. Because I don't even want to hear the praise. Yeah. I'm Because I'm, to me, this is not a big deal. I'm doing what I wanted to do since I was nine. Well, what's the reaction to praise? What does it make you feel? I just don't feel good. Like, if yeah. I feel uncomfortable. Oh, Because, right, right, like, right. to me, it's, like I said, I'm doing something I wanted to do since I was nine. Right. I'm not doing anything special. I'm just living my dream. Yeah. But if yeah. you want to take this journey with me, cool, but. Yeah, sometimes praise is hard to believe. Yes, it is very hard. Very hard to believe, especially when you know some of the dumb shit you've done in the yeah. past. You're like, what? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, yeah. I just don't, I don't like it because I don't do things for praise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do it because I either A, want to do it, or right. B, it's the right but thing. But it's nice to be appreciated. Yeah, no, it definitely is. When my mom does, or people yeah. close to me. Yeah, yeah When yeah. the people close to me are appreciative, yeah, yeah. that's what it means a oh, lot. Oh, good, all right. Well, it's great talking to you, man. All right, I guess we're done. Yeah. It's kicking me out already. There no, it is. You no. guys got busy stuff to do. We just, we're just slept just sitting fight. on a couch. I fight, dog. It ain't nothing busy, First live wrestling. Really? Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, you're gonna have a blast. I'm excited. You're gonna have a blast. Get ready for that Young Bucks match, man. Watch, okay. watch those crazy guys go. Great talking to you. Thank you. Well, th what I found is that you know, specifically, I kept trying to picture these guys, you know, 
like, uh, you know, next to, you know, like a sports locker room, the different, the, the personalities. And it's like, they're, they're not anything like them. Mm-mm. And, and they're more like me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you talk to all these wrestlers and stuff. They're, they're definitely show business people. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, you know, and they know that, right? So whatever the natural condescension would be on behalf of an MMA fighter or a football player in, in that situation, which I'm not even sure would happen, but it's like, they're not aspiring to any of that. Right. This is, this is wrestling. This is a big show. This is the circus. Yeah. You know, you guys, you know, you're, you're fighting for something else. Right, right, right. You know, you're, you're doing something entirely different. Right. But also like, I think, you know, the, one of the best moments was really like, when they have these opening matches, right, leading up to the the regular guys, and you told me that some of these guys are just local wrestlers. So yes. so like that dude uh, uh, from L.A., you know, you said they pay him for the night. Yeah, usually you get about 800 bucks or something like that. Right, you know, and he does the match that no one, it's not that they don't care, but it's just, you know, it's, it's a the prelu- opening action. preliminary act match. Yeah. Opening action. Yeah. And then, like, after everything's all said and done, you were hungry, we go back to catering, they're putting, the food's all gone, it's it's out on the table, yeah. getting ready to put away, and then the guy who was in one of the opening matches is, like, filling up a, t- a takeout thing. Yeah, cookies so could, and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, some take, shrimps and, and things. Take and it home, yeah. To take it home. But I'm like, that's... That's show business. Yes. It's like he made his 800 bucks. He's not part of the thing, but he's in town. He's probably going to go home and have that food tomorrow. I mean, I know exactly what that is. Even now, I go do shows and, you know, I only have two things on my rider, you know, like a bag of cashews and and the Zevia soda. Yeah. So, like, when I'm on the road, I'm I'm like, I'm taking these cashews. Oh, when we yeah. went to, when you did your HBO show and you had all that Russ and Daughter yeah, stuff, like, you're like, everybody's got to take this stuff. We got to, we got to have, you know. Yeah, don't let this go to waste. Yeah, yeah. But it's just that, to me, has always been the nature of show business, is that, you know, you do the thing, yeah. and then you're backstage again. Right. And it's sort of like, all right, so, like, where where's my jacket? But ultimately... All in all, uh, yeah, very engaging, you know, and I was open to it. And, uh, you know, I, I found it to be uh, entertaining and emotional. And it was, and I loved the idea that they are, they are my show business brothers. That's right. That, and well, sisters. I mean, really, like, I, I, I will say, like, I, I don't want to say that like, I had a secret motivation to this, yeah. but it was kind of like, I did have a kind of mentality of like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, right? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, you watch that movie and you think it's about this kid who's like fucking around and just wants to take off his school. And then, you know, it gets to the end and you realize like, no, no, he wanted to do this for his friend. Like he wanted his friend to see the world and see <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that things were cool. And I, I, I've always kind of thought, you know, especially as we've talked about you doing other things. Yeah. I, I knew that so many things were pointless <laughs> because it's like, no, Mark doesn't engage with things yeah, on yeah. like a fan level. He's yeah. not going to watch, you know, s- a Star Wars show week to week and yeah. talk about sometimes it. Sometimes mu- music, sometimes music. Sure, yeah. sure. But like, uh, you know, and yeah, you, you go to concerts and that, but that's a fine, that's a thing. Like yeah, it's one yeah, time and it yeah, ends. Yeah. And I said like, you know, look, this is a thing I've been into my whole life. Yeah. And I'm not into it from the level of like, oh, I believe it's real or I believe right. like, I, I'm into it because it's, what I think is good show business. <laughs> like I, I, I really don't think I ever would have gotten into any kind of entertainment if yeah. I had not been a wrestling fan. Right. Because I, I, I integrated what I learned from watching it from a, 
a show perspective. What were they presenting to sure. me? What were, yeah. How is this happening on a week-to-week basis? Yeah. And I think it was basically wrestling and SNL were the two things that kind of formed in my brain around what is entertainment? How is this not just, you know, fake stories that get put on a screen, right? Yeah, and they're similar. Like one is the, the uh, it's the id and the ego of show business. That's interesting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right. You know, wrestling is this ongoing id yeah. of show business. Yeah, yeah. It's wild. Yeah. But thanks for taking me. Yeah, thanks for doing it. And thanks for, uh, you know, anybody from AEW is listening. Thanks for hosting us and uh, being willing to talk to us. And uh, to me, it was, a, it was not just fun. Like, I have fun at wrestling matches. Yeah. But it was a new experience for me. Like this, yeah. like for Oh, all, to be backstage? No, no, no. For To be there with you. Oh, like, thanks, buddy. I've never, yeah, I've yeah. never really been there with somebody who didn't follow it or didn't yeah. know it. And but I didn't seem bored, did I? No, I, I wasn't. I, I was thought I was, I had a fun time with yeah, it. Yeah. And I just had a fun time knowing that, oh, this is, a, uh, you know, somebody experiencing it for the first time. Like, I don't know if you've ever had that of like, you know, somebody maybe like, you're like, oh, you're going to listen. You've never listened to this Oh yeah, record. I love it. Yeah. And you're just sitting there like, huh? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I was kind of aware of that for a minute, but then I was like, you know, I'm into this. I'm okay. Yeah. Right. Right. You're yeah. just like, oh, whatever. I'm on And the other the thing was like, so many people recognize me from Glow. I realized like, those are my people. Yes. Like they all watch Glow. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Like there were, I, I would be very surprised if a wrestling fan didn't watch Glow. Yeah. It yeah. was like, uh, it was a high recognition uh, thing from a very specific thing. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, they had, uh, They'd asked me when we were setting up, you know, going to the show and um, all the preparations. And yeah. they said, uh, does Mark want to get involved? Oh, yeah. And what get involved means is, <laughs> you know, like is a, like a, a bad guy would come over to you and like, you know, maybe push you around. Yeah. You get to like give him the stink eye or whatever. And uh, I said, uh, let's take it easy. Yeah. You know, like next he's, time. He's never. Well, that's what I was just going to ask you. I was like, if we, if we ever went back, would you would you get involved? Yeah. Well, there was a point when, uh, you know, uh, Max was up there doing his heel business and he brings up Freddie Prince and he brings up uh, Ken Jong, And I'm like, I'm right here, dude. <laughs> Take your shot. Yeah, wait. <laughs> I, I met you backstage. I can handle it. That's right. I think that probably was, you know, my fault by saying no. They probably were like, don't involve Mark Marin yeah. in, the, in the act. He yeah. doesn't want to. Be. Yeah. Next time we got to I got to get I got to be part of it. Well, so Paul I can... Walter Hauser took a, a guitar to the head uh, last night after we left. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, that's right. He told us this was going to happen. He brought his Golden Globe with him. Yeah. That and was the gonna deal. he going to hit a guy with the Golden Globe. Right. And then the other guy was going to crack a guitar over his head. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I, I'm game. Okay. Yeah, we'll do it next time. All right. Sounds good. All right, buddy. Okay. That's it. Right? Huh? AEW airs Wednesday nights on TBS and Friday nights on TNT. There's another two hours of Wrestling with Mark available for Full Marin subscribers. And if you aren't already a Full Marin subscriber, hang out for a second and I'll tell you more, especially you wrestling fans. For Full Marin subscribers, next week we'll release some of the producer cuts that have been piling up. These are clips that didn't make it into actual episodes for whatever reasons, usually good reasons. Brendan will tell you why they were cut and play the clips from Colin Hanks, Brendan Fraser, James Gray, and Andrea Riceborough. And if you want to sign up for the Full Marin, just go to the link in the episode description or sign up at WTFPod.com by clicking the WTF Plus button. You'll get every episode of WTF ad-free plus weekly bonus content. And now for all you wrestling fans who are subscribed, we're going to have a Friday wrestling wrap-up show. Reviews of current matches, classic shows, interviews, and my continuing wrestling education. That's a special Friday show in addition to the weekly bonus content we're already doing. We're crazy. 
and we work too much. My HBO special From Bleak to Dark premieres this Saturday, February 11th at 10 p.m. on HBO and on demand on HBO Max. I'm proud of it. Enjoy it. And here's some lazy, but, you know, pounding guitar.